Thank you, thank you, thank you, and thank you. Hello again, fellow basement dwellers. This is your good friend Patrick O'Dowd welcoming you to another edition of Bandwagon Nerds. Bandwagon Nerds is brought to you by the Chairshot Radio Network, part of Chairshot.com, where we remind you to always use your head. Thechairshot.com. Always use your head. Start. Um, off to a great start on this lovely recording on a Saturday when we normally record on Sunday. I'm all messed up, guys. Pull back the curtain. Everything's gone. Chaos is reigning supreme. But I'm very excited because when was the last time, noble listener, that you got the OG bandwagon crew as a whole here on an episode? That's right, everyone. This week, I am joined by the lawyer himself, David Ungar. Oh. Oh, my. Oh, oh, dear. Oh, I don't the Reverend Raymond S. Cashington Esquire, the 35th. Oh. Oh, he, they loved you last week, too. Like, you, were, you were the guy. And, of course, we are also joined by the current longest active bandwagon nerd appearance streak on the Chairshot Radio Network. That's right, Mr. Saturday Night, Mr. I Have No Life, P.C. Tutty. Oh, 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 my. Don't worry, live studio audience. I'm still here. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And we have quite a loaded show. Basically, we're going to talk about the monkey in the entertainment room today again because we can't. The big story that we will be talking about on the back half of the show will be, of course, that this week the Screen Actors Guild slash uh, AFTRA Union the negotiations broke down with the studios. They went on strike this week and ramifications are already coming into play. It's, it's huge. And it's what we have to talk about. We are of course going to talk about the trailer park, such as it is though. It is a loaded trailer park, common excited trailer park. We're also going to do a little bit of conversation around Superman legacy, because once Superman and Lois Lane got announced, it's like the dam burst. And suddenly we are talking about everybody that's on tap for the show today, but of course we can't do any of that until we continue our MCU conversation as Secret Invasion episode four dropped this week, and we're here to break it all down. So with that, let's get some MCU music going, and then we're going to dive into episode four, Secret Invasion. By the way, I just want to acknowledge I'm a little amped up on a lot of coffee today. I've been drinking coffee since like nine this morning, which is maybe where all this frenetic energy is coming from today. I don't I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe. Kind of. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe. But it's, it's happening. Yes, Ray Cash. Can I notice that nobody said a damn word, but you all show? Anyway. Um, <laughs> Duly noted, Ray. Duly noted. Just thought it was interesting to, m- to mention, but I'll shut back up. Uh, as you should. No, just I love you, right, guys. All right, let's get into Secret Invasion episode four, which follows Secret Invasion's pattern of okay. This I'm going to start with my bone to pick with this series. 
and it's it, 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 people could call it a minor quibble or not. Uh, it's kind of up to you because it's really a stylistic choice that I'm starting to. It just feels like I've noticed every single episode that's kind of bothered me in the way that it's been executed in play out. We resolve every episode seems to have something that is shrouded in a little bit of mystery that immediately gets resolved five minutes into the following episode. This week, it was showing us that I called it Gaia not dead. Like it, your your microphone was up as you as you mouth that out. Oh, you know. Oh, okay, okay. Everybody, that's PC Tony, of course. Everybody knows that when I'm talking to Air, it's PC Tony that I'm talking to, <laughs> and he does the hands thing every time. To was it me? What I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, is this is this is it only bothersome to me? Am I just picking nits here? But it just seems like there there's like. Like, it was the same thing with the week before. Like, we had this episode that ends with Nick, where where we see that Nick Fury's wife is a scroll. And the big question coming out of that episode is, you know, well, does Nick Fury know what's going on? And then immediately we open the episode with their history and see that, yeah, he knows that she's a scroll. And then again, we do this again here with, with Gaia. Gaia gets shot, walked away. Myself, Ray, and Tony, we debated back and forth about the possibilities. And I pointed out, I was like, look, we know that the scrolls have the ability to, to heal themselves. It's very possible. He saw her change, walked away, and she's fine. Why nobody is going to check on a body, which by the way, leaving bodies behind is another quibble here, but I'll get to that a little bit later. Um, but like leaving a body behind, just assuming that it's dead, nobody's coming for cleanup. Gaia heals and is out and, and is fine. Now she is decidedly a loose cannon at the at, at the after she's back because she does go and she meets with Talos. They have this moment on this bench where they're talking to one another about why Talos insists uh, on staying with Nick Fury and kind of believing in humanity. And Gaia, while defecting from from Gravik, still doesn't side with. She doesn't become a full ally. She doesn't become an ally at all to Fury or Talos. She walks away from him telling him she he's a fool. And ultimately we learned that she was right. So at least on some level. So I don't know. All that is to say, is this a nitpick? Uh, is this fair? Uh, Ray, I'll start with you. What do you think? I think it is um, primarily because we only have six episodes. If we got a longer time to stretch things out, then you wouldn't need to get the immediate kind of reveal like we're getting. Um, but much like the rest of you here, a big portion of our fandoms were raised and based on wrestling. And one thing Jim Ross always used to say is, you want to end the show with more questions than answers and answer those questions in the next episode and keep them getting and bring more questions. So I'm fine with the, for example, the reason why I thought Gaia was actually dead, I mentioned to you was, one, we never saw her go in the little transformation booth. And two, she turned back into a squirrel after she was shot. The very first thing we saw in this episode was her going into the transformation booth. And, and, then it's, it, and then it makes more sense. Now, if you have 13 episodes or 10 episodes, and you can flesh that out. Maybe we can get a little more conjecture, right? But we don't have the time for this because there's so much that's happening. So, yeah, that's my only thing about that. And also, speaking to the conversation about leaving bodies and... Um, Gaia kind of defecting, but not defecting. Gaia knows Gravik needs to be stopped. Doesn't mean she believes that Talos is right, but she believed Gravik needed to be stopped but anyway because I don't. I think she believes, and she said as much 
she doesn't think that innocent people should be dying, but she believes that the squirrels need a home. Gravity, I mean, uh, Talos wants the, the squirrels to kind of assimilate in, in Earth, and they don't want to do that, right? But the bodies thing, the one thing we've learned about Gravik, besides the fact that he's horrifying, besides the fact that he's prepared, is he's arrogant. And only arrogant people leave bodies behind. Because he wants bodies to be noticed because he wants war. If you clean up the bodies, nobody knows to get mad. Henceforth, no war. So, yeah, that's that's kind of where I stand on it. I, I do think you're picking next a little bit, though. Dave, what do you think? What do you, what do you think of this, this thought process for me? And I will. I'll own it's a narrative process because I don't. I don't necessarily say you don't need to reveal that answer. It, you know, you don't need to hold it out of that episode. It just happens so fast. Something yeah. like yeah, like the first thing you see is boom, she's fine. Dave, go ahead. Sorry. Um, I think I probably lean a little bit more with Ray's take on this right now. That uh, you know, with a short series. Where episodes are coming out once a week, it's not like a whole season drop where you can kind of stretch this thing out a little bit. Then, yeah, resolving things from one episode to the next kind of kind of makes sense. Um, you know, I, I think with with Gaia, the big the biggest thing I took away from this episode, I guess, is the uh, um, the super scrolls are now spreading, and and that's going to raise the stakes, and you're going to have to you know and and i mean we'll talk i'm sure we're going to talk later on about the the big the big ending but yeah fury's list of allies is dwindling by the day and you know <laughs> kind of raises the stakes some but i i didn't have too much of a problem with them resolving that early on i thought the main thing that they wanted to show was that uh you know gaia basically dosed herself and turned herself into a super scroll and you know now there's two of them out there at I mean, as far as we know, there's two of them out there. At least, yeah. At least two. Um, you know, who else has been turned? Question for you all. Did she fully dose herself and go full four power super scroll, or did she only dose herself with the extremist virus? That's a I, speculative question, because we only see her do the extremists. I, I don't know that they're dosing themselves with four different doses, or they created one big serum with all four. Also, and I would, also good I would say that her Gaia recognizing what a huge threat Gravik is, she would go, you know, full Monty on this thing and dose herself to the maximum. You know, she knows if anybody knows what a threat he is and how big a threat he is, it's her. And I, I don't think, you know, I don't know why you would limit yourself if you know that he's gone completely over the edge. And let's also not forget the squirrels have been here 30 plus years. So they know what extremists was. They were, they were around. They know what, who Groot is. They know what Col- who of Colobsidian was. They remember the Frost Giants. From- so they, they understand the seriousness of what all four of those things could be, as shown by when she snuck in and saw all four of them, and you saw her face as a horrified face because she realizes what that could all entail. So I'm with Dave. She probably would have done all four because she knows what's about to happen. Tony, let's get you in here. We haven't gotten any thoughts from you yet um, on just sort of this conversation the op- and what we're talking about. I mean, it's it's a clever way to get through a lot of information rather quickly and, in my opinion, done rather well so far. Like you said, a short amount of time. So pretty much agree more with what Ray said. I can understand where you're noticing a pattern and, and it may become a little redundant to you, but I think they've done a really good job. As far as Gaia goes, I was like... In the boat of, yeah, if she comes back, it's kind of lazy. And it is because they just, there's no way you could know that until they reveal it while it happens when she comes back, right? It's not like it was something you could figure out. 
Um, but you did have a good hunch that it was going to happen, and it did. And it's interesting what other things are going to happen like that. You mentioned Gravik being powerful. We've seen him use some Groot powers um, in one of the fight scenes. And I don't know. It's I think Gaia's going to, you know, she had the whole split with Talos before. Is he dead? Now we'll probably get into that question. And, and uh, what is she going to do? I think she's going to continue to try and work inside of what Gravik is doing as tightly as she can without being noticed and try to stop him that way. Maybe she sees his plan to be better than Talos plan and wants to just alter that side of it. But who knows how powerful she is, like you guys said. So I don't know. I'm here for it. It's been really fun. We also got to figure out that Rhodes is a scroll, So that was confirmed. So yeah, let's segue into that before we talk about the big Talos reveal as, uh, as Tony lays out um, kind of the other two big things that happened in this episode. Uh, we've been speculating it. This this reveal has been teased. Uh, it's interesting because uh, this scroll that has replaced Rhodey is a, is a female scroll that most are speculating is a character known as Rava. She was actually introduced in the 2017 Black Bolt series um, by Saladin Ahmed and Christian Ward. Rava was a pirate who had turned on the scroll empire after her children were killed. Uh, she is a known character within the comics who's been much more active and i do think that there's this is another one of those moments where we got to remind ourselves that as comic book fans that what we know and expect like we talked about this with maria hill is not what we're going to get out of the mcu so while this is a big deal to comic fans who may love the character to the lay viewer rava's still not really known as a big deal um the thing that i found really interesting out of this one is that they just went over the top out of the way to really make it clear that Rhodes was not Rhodes. Uh, even though we saw the chain, you know, as we see Rava come out of the shower and change into Rhodes uh, to walk out to, to converse with Nick Fury. Like that whole interaction with Nick Fury was just so over the top, not what we know of Rhodey from earlier MCU iterations when he was the voice. Of, like he was... Rhodes has always been a voice of reason sort of character and never been one who has been cocky or arrogant or a braggart. And then here we go, um, even in Civil War, which is kind of like, for me, you know, Civil War and Infinity Game, uh, uh, sorry, Infinity War and Endgame, Infinity Game, sorry, let's push them all together. Um, Rhodey was always kind of grounded, right? Like, ground, and so this was just, like, I'm sure at some point we'll get the reveal of like how long Rhodey's been a scroll because Rhodey's not necessarily dead. Uh, we we've talked about that before because that they keep them hooked up to those machines so that they can read their minds and their memories. Uh, so it's not like, like, like we could still have that, you know, what's the last thing you remember and Rhodey being like, you know, after Thanos or something like that. We just don't know. Uh, but this was like the, you know, we finally, took the cat out of the bag uh he's the one who or i'm uh, sorry she's the one who notifies graphic where the president's going to be and then we get the big firefight climax at the end tony this confirmed what we said you pointed it out you minute you went last in the last go around so your thoughts on this change um and just kind of making it officially official that uh roadie is a scroll and we, the real roads is is mia we all suspected that one. So I, I think that was just kind of a home run for a lot of nerds, which is a really good place to have it happen because only someone like Fury is going to completely 100% notice. While, you know, 
he's already been still working beside the president and everything else that's going on. It's, it's just a perfect place for that information to carry back and forth to your point of having a little bit more deeper dive into the comic and getting this new character Rava in the MCU um, look pretty badass with them glowing blue eyes and those fucking piranha teeth uh, look like you didn't want to mess with any of that, but it's just going to be interesting to see how they wrap. They have two episodes left to wrap this all up and, and they've, they've given us a lot to chew on so far. So I don't know. I, I, is anybody dead now? You talk, talking about people that this girls have impersonated? No, I mean, don't, like, don't ask the Talos question. We're going to talk about the Talos question last. Let, <laughs> let's let Ray and Dave comment on the roadie reveal before we get to the question of, of is Talos dead? Because uh, I have an answer. I'm sure you guys do. Uh, we'll, we'll go in reverse order. I started with Ray last time. So, Dave, your thoughts on the roadie reveal? Anything to add before we get to the last bit? Well, like like you guys are saying, like Tony was saying, it was something that we'd suspected. You'd suspected it uh, for a while, Pat, ever since you texted me that one morning saying, Rhodes is definitely a scroll. Um, yeah, I think the bigger question for me isn't so much, you know, okay, cool, they got Rava introduced. Was she in an, the Inhuman series at all? Is that the one you were talking about? or? Uh, yeah, I, would, I don't know if it's a com- it, it's revealed in the it says the Black Bolt series, okay. so I almost wonder if that's a comic. Because okay. um, um, I, 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 I I'm not a collector anymore. So yeah, my bigger question with Rhodes is like you guys are saying, since when has he been a scroll? I mean, was it, it you know at first blush I'd say you know after he gets paralyzed in Civil War and then he comes back, it's like well there's a good opportunity to slip somebody in at that point in time, but. Yeah, I mean, does that that raises a question? Is that him with Nebula on um, on Morag in, in Infinity War and Endgame? And and you know, you look at the personality of this Rhodey compared to the one in the Infinity War saga, and it's like night and day. So, could that possibly be um, an evolution of this character? I don't know. I mean, I think that's the biggest question: is when when did this switch take place? How big does that impact anything? Um, you know, does Rhodey's knowledge of the Avengers that now Rava has give them a leg up in this, uh, what we're assuming is going to be some sort of fight between the Skrulls and the Avengers somewhere down the line. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm not, none of us were surprised uh, by Rhodey being a, a Skrull. Um, I just, the bigger thing to me is like, yeah, when did, how, for how long has this, in the words of that song, how long has this been going on? There you go. Great. Bring us home on Rhodey. So, no, I wasn't surprised, I, but I don't think we were supposed to be surprised for the purposes of, for, for, for this purpose. There's clearly a narrative to the story that they're telling. And the whole point is Graphic is trying to create mutual assured destruction in the entire world so the squirrels can clean up and take over, right? And the entire reveal was led, essentially led to the point where Rhodey was riding with the president. And the Russians, a.k.a. the Skrulls pretending to be Russians, would stop and try to kill him. And to their point, they were going to kill him, which was going to start the World War III because Russia, America, you know what it is. Right. It, ha- it had to be, Rose had to have been outed before that happened, right? And I actually, I know you you guys mentioned the um, part where uh, Ravo walks out the shower. I actually prefer the better part where uh, Fury gives him the bourbon and uh, he takes it down. And then the president's like, bro, are you drunk? <laughs> like, right. that was funny to me because my the way my stupid brain works. Of course, this girl doesn't understand alcohol consumption. 
their liver isn't the same. So they probably drank the whole bottle and they don't, it doesn't touch them, right? Um, so that was interesting to me. Uh, however, did you pre game with a half a bottle of bourbon for this meeting? Yeah, like basically the coffee. Uh, <laughs> That's what he said. Way, That's what he liquid asked. Liquid tracer. It was liquid tracer, you guys, because we got some spy shit going on. Uh, I'm sorry to do this. I'm actually going to backtrack uh, to a different part of the episode before we get to the big firefight because we also did have the standoff between mm-hmm. Fury and Priscilla and, uh, and that whole breakdown. And, you know, the name of this episode is called Beloved and it's based on the poem that the two of them share with one another are uh, as they're as they're kind of uh, as when they make the decision to get married. And so I, I, I we have to go back to that because she's directed to kill him. Oh, that was the other thing is, you know, Rhodey in the church again, just the swagger was just so different. Like, what the fuck? Uh, like it was they was screaming. This guy's a scroll. This guy's a scroll. You know, he's a scroll. And so, yeah, like so then. And I don't even know if they were trying to portray it as something other than that. Like you say, said Ray, like, I think they were trying to make it just ultimate. Like, if you hadn't figured it out yet, here you go. Like, now, you know, and knowing is half the battle. G.I. Joe, I don't have the soundbite Tony's looking for right now. And knowing is half the battle. Dude, you perked up so fucking hard when I said that. It was hilarious. It was like like a dog whistle. He's like, what? What? Um, Time to shine, baby. And you know what? In fact, for that, hey. But don't get caught. So I was reading a review of that little standoff between Fury and Priscilla where they're talking to each other and they both have guns and they have this really like great moment where they talk about the relationship and she tell she explains to Fury why she chose the person that she chose to replace and, and her whole purpose and what was going on there and, and the promise that she made to the dying doctor that she wouldn't hurt Fury and she apologizes for that. And then, of course, we get the a double fire of pistols, a cutaway scene, and you see that both of them have intentionally missed each other. And that in the end, well, we're in it together. So I think she, you know, I'm not sure how she's going to play in the final fray, but I don't think she's a double agent anymore. And I thought it was a great, I think that was just a great moment. I was really annoyed because I read a reviewer who like pissed all over it and was just like, this is stupid and blah, blah. I'm like, stop it. That was nice. Like it was a good moment for an MCU series and show. So um, just wanted to put that nugget out there before we get to where I'm going to ask Dave to kick off in his reactions. We get this big firefight from Gravix people posing as Russians attacking uh, the presidential caravan, trying to kill the president of the United States, played by Dermot Moroni. In the midst of the battle, the president's car is flipped and he cannot get out. And Gravik, or not Gravik, sorry, Talos at Fury's uh, behest is attempting to break through the reinforced glass to pull the president out so that they can get him to safety and protect him from dying. Now, in the midst of all of that, Gravit gives the order for Talos to get shot. He does, and it's like he's holding on to life as he sort of goes through halvesy changes while still trying to break through before he finally does. Fury gets gets the president out. Talos dies in front of Fury, and we, we leave Talos in scroll form dead in the middle of a firefight as as Fury, we end the episode as Fury drives off uh, with the president, and we'll we'll see what happens from there. Now, 
this is Fury's like best friend and closest ally, and he just left that body in the middle of a bunch of people who presumably not all know of the existence of scrolls. Ballsy move, Fury. Not sure it's what I love. We just leaving bodies behind. We're leaving bodies behind. And, and Ray's like, whoa, 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 whoa. You get to go second because Dave hasn't gone first yet. But like, I get it. I know where you're gonna go. I actually know what you're gonna say, and, and you're right. And yet at the same time, I'm like, dude, we just left his ass dead. Because I think he's dead. I think Talos is dead. I do not pass go. I think Ben Mendelsohn's time is done. There is no extremist virus to pull his ass out of the fire, so to speak. Dead scroll in the middle of the road. Dave Ungar, your reaction. Uh, today playing all today playing all four parts of the bandwagon is Patrick O'Dowd and 12 <laughs> cups of coffee. That's right. <laughs> and I'm and I'm and I say that with love, and I'm impressed. I, I'm not even mad. Cocaine is a hell of a drug. But anyway. Uh, Caffeine is a hell of a drug. I don't yeah, need no cocaine. Can you I, imagine me on coke, you guys? Yeah, wow. Or oh speed? God. Scary Put me God. on speed? Yeah, we'll just, we'll just, we'll <laughs> just like sign <laughs> off and say, <laughs> well, Pat. He'd be doing I, this I'd podcast. Cha- I'd change my voice. No, you'd be cutting the grass right now and doing the podcast. <laughs> doing the podcast <laughs> while you're cutting the grass. Doing it on my phone. Yeah. Uh, this scene has got so much going on and there's so much symbolism and throwback sort of stuff happening because first off gravic very smart by saying look let's do this loud and let's do this bombastically like the russians would to make the americans think this is a russian attack and not a scroll attack um of course that's going to get modified as the attack progresses and people are witnessing talos in half form and and you know maybe that's has something to do with why Fury just said, well, shit, they already know anyway, I'm out of here. But I thought there was an interesting throwback to the very beginning of the MCU with the attack on the fun V in Iron Man, where you've got the president and, you know, Rhodey not being there for Tony when that happened, but being there this time. And he's just chilling in the car with all this shit going down. And Rhodey's just like drinking, you know, and having fun. And 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 I just thought, wow, there's a, there's a lot happening here. But um, yeah, I think I tend to agree with you guys. There's no way Talos got the super scroll serum. Um, that, that just didn't happen. So I don't see how he survives this. And like I said earlier, you know, Fury, the big thing coming out of this is Fury's allies. He doesn't know Gaia is still alive. And even if she is, is she really his ally? Because she clearly didn't believe with her father's vision of how they wanted to resolve this whole issue of where do we get our own planet from? How do we find our home? And dad's like, well, we got to, you know, coexist with the humans. And she's like, fuck that. They can't coexist with each other. So, you know, that that's just kind of like, I don't know if Fury can count on her. Maria's gone. Talos is gone. He's got to be calling in the big gun sooner or later, right? I mean, that's all that's left for him at this point. But yeah, it was a, it was a big moment. You know, the another another hit for, this is really turned into nick fury series and just a microcosm not even a microcosm more of a macrocosm of everything going on with him and just yeah allies getting picked off people closest to him his wife maria talos yeah you got to figure he's got to go after somebody with uh you know you got super powered scrolls running around you got to get some more firepower here and we saw that in this scene they were woefully outmatched even the united states military was outmatched in this fight so that's that's my takeaway from it. All right, Ray, with your raised finger of doom, tell everybody what you want, what what I what I know you're gonna say. Well, first off, let me say if Talos comes back from this, fuck this show, because like, come on, brother, right. right? Like somebody gotta really die, you know what I'm saying? Um, so 
we have to remember, and I know you, like you say, Patrick, you, you're, you're on, I'm sure you're on board with what I'm about to say. We have to remember this is a spy thriller, and we have to remember that Nick Fury, at his soul, is still a military man. So the entire, the entirety of the series is based around a Skrull invasion, the person who essentially started the Skrull invasion, trying to stop it. The Skrulls trying to take over the world by starting war, and Nick Fury trying to stop the Skrulls by stopping the war. How do you stop the war? Keep the president alive. It's a little more important than Taylor. But that scene is very telling because it goes to show, one, Fury don't give a shit about Talos. Two, Talos cares way too much about Fury. Because after he was shot and his half the face popping out, he's still banging through the window trying to save Nick, trying to save the president. Nick never tried to open the window. He was just like, come on, Talos. You can do it, baby. You can do it. And Talos is right here like, bro, I'm shot. Come on. You know, but sign the treaty, baby. <laughs> sign the treaty, baby. But it, but it's, it's a perfect microcosm of who they are, which is why Talos and God bless Ben Mendelsohn, he has been fantastic in the series. It's why their 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 story is so weird, and why you mentioned you alluded to this a little earlier, Patrick. Why Gaia understands I may not fuck with Gravik, but he kind of right. Why are you still rocking with this dude? <laughs> what has he done for you? What has he done? Um. So so that part is interesting to me. Um. You know. Uh. The president's going to be important because if you believe what we've been led to believe, president's going to die because it's supposed to get president, president Thunderbolt Ross. So how they play these next two episodes should be interesting. Dave keeps mentioning that the big guns got to come in sooner or later. Rhodey wasn't the only guy who was a military man in, in the Avengers. Certain guy that kind of wears the stars and stripes right now, also African-American, they probably don't have much to do right now. Probably sitting on his boat down there in backwoods New Orleans cooking some crawfish. Maybe you need to get the wings on real fast. I'm sure we see Mackie in this episode, in the series. I am, I am completely sure of it. But one more point Patrick alluded to that is very important to note. Who knew about Skrulls before this? They damn sure know now. Not just because Telos was, you know, hitting his Darby Allen on the world, but... <laughs> hey, and we didn't know, bet... We didn't mention the WWE reference in this episode. That was oh, fucking shout awesome. Oh, the Undertaker. Yeah, that was awesome. Off the top rope, baby. <laughs> um, but you got this supposed to be black Russian dude, because those exist, right? Hitting the, the scorpion get over here with the Groot arm in the middle of the warpath. Oh, by the way, Gravik got shot in the eye, and he was like, no, nah, son, ain't working. I think there's some people who are going to remember this moment. I'm just saying. So, um... Yeah, the next episode is going to be huge, but we're really going to see the political and geopolitical and world like ramifications because the president's going to wake up and be like, didn't we fire you? <laughs> and this guy, I got something to tell you, Mr. President. So, yeah. Who's to say, by the way, for the record, this is going to be a stupid thing to say, but this is the type of season. Don't type put of it on the record. Don't know. Right? Who, no, I'm, I've said many stupid things on the show. That's kind of that's kind of my thing. Um, who to say the president is growing? They don't know. We don't know what's going on. We don't know. And that reminds me of a of a great Saturday Night Live skit. Uh, <laughs> Dermot Mulroney or Dylan or, McDermott? Yes, yes, yes. Shout out to Jamie Foxx. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. Oh man, I don't know. I'm here for everything that's going on. It's been great. It, Talos comes back. Who knows? Did he get transferred the serum from or whatever with the transfer from Gaia with the phone? Remember, could have been there. 
Um, so nothing's out of pocket uh, predicting people coming back, but I think he is dead. I think you're right. I think that's the big moment that follows the the pull the rug out from under you, the take the football away. So I don't know. It's I think this next episode is going to be the best of the six. Well, historically, if you watch a lot, and we've watched everyone, most of us watched every one of these MCU series. Uh, I know some people. People skipped out on like Miss Marvel, uh, for example, or whatever. And if you did, shame on you. Nobody in this uh, room. But oh, I was about to, but, I was about to, I was about to fire up Tony. I was about to like what? No, I got them all. That's why me. Because it would be you out of the three of us, out of the four of us. It would be right. you. anyway. Like the, the point here is that usually, yeah, that's you, Ray. You don't watch this shit. Kids, we God, you too. I'm about to hit the mute button. Not keep your sorry personal, to you, Ray. Keep sorry your personal you, vendettas. Keep your personal vendettas to the side, Tony. We forgave um, Ray for not watching Flash Gordon. He started pass, it. So. Look at that grin on his face. That's bullshit. Yeah. To both of you. This is a double boo Go to the two you. of you. Start. A lot of booing going on today. Um, anyway, traditionally, MCU series, the next to last episode is the peak climax sort of piece of the series. And the final kind of quote unquote final episode is what we call a, a denouement, which is the the aftermath, the kind of the falling action from whatever happened out of the climax. Now that's not always true. Uh, Captain uh, Captain America and the Winter Soldier ended uh, their climax. Really, sort of, uh, really did happen uh, at the end of the, the final episode of the, of the series. So it's not always one thousand percent true. But a lot of times we're gonna, it's gonna be big time. It's gonna be huge. And then that last. That last episode is going to be sort of a wrap-up of that into what's next for the MCU. My my one prediction is that Talos' death is what brings Gaia to help bring down Gravik, but not, you know, her picking a side. And maybe what this means, and whether that then leads to some sort of change in the Skrulls' existence to the world. Do the Skrulls fully reveal themselves to the world by the time we get out of it? And does Gaia have some sort of role in making that so? Because on some level, she is the leader, a leader, not the leader, a leader. And, and I think has some power amongst her people that, that she would carry with her. I Go ahead, Ray. Oh, sorry. You, you know, one thing that we, I don't, I don't know if we've mentioned all series, but we've, we've mentioned all the people who could be popping up or we thought might pop up or will be cool to pop up. Mephisto, Ray. No, no, no. I'm past that. <laughs> that's a, that's a callback and a half. Wait, fool me once, shame on you. Ages. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me 25 times, shame on me. <laughs> no, who's Gaia's oldest friend on Earth? Monica Rambeau. And sure. the next two, the next two, two series supposed to come out, not series, but properties supposed to come out are the Marvels and Thunderbolts. So I'm sure Mackie's gonna pop up, Cap, you know, Captain Black Dude. But also, you know, Monica Rambeau was part of the military too. Now she got these newfound superpowers. She's not stuck in Westview anymore. Maybe she pops up. Because you said, who else can she trust? Talos is dead. She sure don't trust Nick Fury, nor should she. Maybe Monica comes by and is like, hey. Because remember, at the end of the at the end of Miss Marvel, at a, at the end of um 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 WandaVision, they had the girls say, Hey, he wants to see you. So surely there's gonna be some version of her being involved in this. Just food for thought. I still think, you know, you're looking at who Nick Fury can turn to, who are his allies, right? Who who did he, you know, page before he blipped out was Carol Danvers. I still think 
Captain Marvel's. I mean, she's got the power set to turn this whole thing around. You know, would Nick Fury actually go that route and say, "This is desperate enough. I need to call Carolyn on this thing." And would she? That matches with my part. Would she? Would she respond at this point? I mean, as is another big question. But I I like the um, you know, I like Captain America. That that's a good call, Ray. And Monica's Carol's on Earth. Remember, because she got switched with Kamala. Right. Exactly. So, so she's on Earth. You got to figure this ties in somewhere. I mean, they need somebody with some significant oomph behind them to counter the Super Scrolls. Getting back to Patrick's question, I don't think it's Gaia who outs the Scrolls. I think it's Nick Fury who comes out in like a Matrix type moment and says they're all here. Fade off well, into the I, sunset. I'm not. I'm not saying the guy outs the Scrolls. I'm saying Gaia turns the tide against gravity. That's that's my like. Gaia is going to come back to turn if, the tide on. Gravity. If they're that's, gonna, that's if fine. they're gonna go strictly, we're not gonna inject anything else into this, which I think would be kind of a mistake and a letdown right now, and just leave it Gravic versus Gaia. Yeah. Not. No, you're not hearing me. No, Gaia is gonna turn the tide. She has to turn the tide. Not Gaia versus Gravic. Like this is a Nick Fury show. Like Nick Fury's showdown with Gravic. <coughs> Sorry, holy shit. Don't die on us. All that, see? It's all that see, caffeine. Ladies and gentlemen, Damn it. Don't drink Eat all that more coffee. coffee. More coffee. Waitress. That's, that's been downing prime all fucking morning. Coffee, man. coffee, my kingdom uh, for coffee. Investigation, uh, anyway, no, I, I just, uh, I think Gaia's, Gaia has to play a huge role in turning the tide. I think that there's going to be a, a showdown and a fight, but it's going to be that, it's like in Thor Love and Thunder. Natalie Portman fights what's his nuts for a little bit should win the fight though but she's gonna be there and is gonna be one that helps turn the tide and that's that's what i'm getting at dave like i think but i i do think moving forward gaia is an important part of the scroll nation after this is all said and done i 1000 percent agree with the both of you though that i don't know about i don't know about sam i don't know if sam wilson's coming I, but you can't not tie this to the marvels because the characters involved are so intrinsically tied to the next movie. Like Nick Fury is, is shown to be in the Marvels unless Nick Fury up on the base is a scroll. Do you think this problem continues all the way through to like Fantastic Four, considering that kind of history they have with the scrolls? Uh, yeah, I don't know what they're doing there. You know what I mean? But that's too long, too, bro. That's like maybe the, 10 properties away. The scrolls will be we there, even but cast not. The Fantastic Four. Yeah, the scrolls will be there, but not. It'll be something, it'll be an evolution. It won't be this storyline continuing on. They'll still be pre. I think scrolls are here to stay. They're not going to get rid of all of them, but. Right, right. Um, we can't. There's a million of them. Right. I don't think that this secret invasion kind of story arc will still be like front and center when the Fantastic Four airs. I, I can't, you know, in 2027, 2029 now. I don't know. We'll talk. I mean, we'll I, talk it, later. I didn't mean it front and center. I just meant that some part of this carries forward to that. I mean, obviously, you're talking about a, a race or, or, you know, a being of people. So obviously, there's a history that moves forward. Just noting the past. Well, yeah, yeah. Will squirrels be around? Yeah, the creep been around since like the second, third movie in around, right? So sure, they'll be around, but I don't think they'll be a big deal. Gaia probably becomes. A, a member of the heroes, maybe not the Avengers. She'll probably still hang around. Amelia Clark's too big to just be here for a cup of coffee and be gone. Um, She's in the Thunderbolts. One hundred. There you go. I don't think we're gonna get your. I, d- I don't know that for sure. I'm, I was making a joke. Like she's not listed as a cast. Sorry. I wouldn't be surprised though. 
Um, but right. we're, I'm, we're not going to get your your typical super scroll. But Hulkling. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe Hulkling shows scroll, up, yeah. right? So there's some right. things that could pop up. I right? love Teddy. Teddy's one of my favorite characters. Teddy's dope. And who did Teddy yeah. marry? Uh, Wicked. Wiccan. And so there you go. That's already set up. No. All right. Well, it's, I'm looking forward to episode five. It's going to be a huge, uh, you know, kind of climactic moment in battle uh, leading into episode six and this thing getting wrapped up. We'll uh, we'll just have to wait and see and let it ride. I think that, yes, there's going to be some ties and some connections in the future. How can you not, even if those future projects are in 2032? So we'll just we'll just have to wait and see. I do want us to get into our first commercial break, though. Uh, and when we come back, we will jump into the Taylor Park, our trailer park, and then do some DC Superman casting news. You are listening to Bandwagon Nerds here on the Chairshot Radio Network, part of the Chairshot.com. Boy Kenny Killer telling you to make sure you check out thechairshot.com, bringing you breaking news, interviews, podcasts galore, everything progressing. Make sure you check it out thechairshot.com. Okay, welcome back, everyone, to Bandwagon Nerds here on the Chairshot Radio, not Chairshot Radio Network, part of the Chairshot.com. Always use your head, prowrestlingtees.com forward slash the Chairshot. Get all your Chairshot shirts. Get them soft style. Spend the extra money. You're jibbled, so thank you. It'll be awesome. You're looking, Dave. You're looking worn down, buddy. Time to get more caffeine. Oh, that's in okay. That's okay. That's okay. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. I'm working on it right now. He was he was fading a little bit there, Tony. I'm like, all right, re refuel. They can't, they can't, they, you guys, you guys can't see that, but but the Mrs. O'Dowd did the rescue. So um Bruin, it's done. Choo choo. Ray, you're talking, but we can't make out the words, bro. Yeah. Because you're muted. True story. I'm sorry, I'm muted because I'm listening to the actual trailer part because I haven't watched it. Can we get the Stone Cold Steve Austin music playing so uh, Patrick can chug two coffees? Break, I'm just like, break two coffees, break two ceramic mugs over my face. Yeah, there's that a, would go well. There's, there's a local oil change place that claims they're so quick you won't have time to finish your coffee while you're sitting there getting your oil changed. So the guy's like, up, oh, it's done. And this guy's on his way. <sighs> The coffee it goes all over, and he pulls out of the old chair. Goes, ah! Oh, jeez. I okay. Uh, I'm sorry. We noble listener. This is all my fault. This is all my fault. I I I blame myself. I you know I really. This is what happens when I get jazzed up on coffee and nerd talk. And we're gonna keep the nerd talk going. But first, we got to get to the trailer park, which means we got to get some music playing. Which means Dave, it's time for you to play that beautiful banjo. And here we are. We got quite the trailer park in front of you today. I got five, five, and I almost cut one of them out. But against my better judgment, I, I left the last one in there, even though we've already talked about this movie a couple times. Uh, I almost held off, uh, but it's coming soon. It's coming in August. I felt like it was worth it. 
But we're going to start in the wonderful world that is Nicolas Cage films. And I got to tell you guys, the, the career arc of Nick Cage is excellent to me because it really has done this, like, you know, in the 80s, he was kind of a comedic actor for a long time, did Raising Arizona, was in all the, like, um, Valley Girl, was like in all these sort of, like, 80s kind of goofy comic films. And then just out of nowhere, he went on this run where he was, for a time, one of the top action stars uh, in cinema. Like, he did Face Off, he did The Rock, he did Con Air, and then just out of nowhere. National Treasure. Like, he, he did good movies for a really long time, then he did National Treasure, so, and... National Treasure and the things Patrick mentioned was he had the whole meltdown in between those two, and then considered yeah. to be disrespected after National Treasure until now, basically. So, so he had he also he won his Oscar, like he won an Oscar for God's sakes for uh, leaving Las Vegas. Like he he was a he was huge, and then yeah, there was this like huge fall out, like just fall where he was doing. I mean, he was making some bad movies basically doing anything he could for a paycheck for a while and now we're in this kind of grandpa nick cage world where he puts out movies and i'm like i'm in like renfield which by the way available on i think paramount plus or peacock one of the two uh i still haven't checked it out but it's there the peacock uh is uh it's on the cop no see i was trying not to do that because i'm trying to be mature in my caffeine haze you know, so while Tony's making jerk off motions, I can read that as he's telling me it's Peacock. I just wasn't going to say it. Now I've outed him. Dave, you just, you went full cock. Man, you went full Pat, cock. Ever since Pat McAfee said it on a WWE broadcast, I'm like, it's fair game. I'm sure it is. This isn't a WWE podcast, though. So, you know, like I'm okay with us not talking. It's not. You guys try to force it in once in a while, but you'll know I never bring up the WWE shit. You're talking about force it in. We're talking about force it in. <laughs> oh yeah I, I i'm okay with you guys being you know immature seventh graders it's what i deal with when i'm on, you guys wonder why i'm a part-timer i need a break from from from, from this that's what i need a break so that's why you're uh, the smartest one in the room damn skippy anyway but so we get this trailer for a movie called the retirement plan where nick cage plays an aging assassin trying to trying to live out his retirement life when he receives word uh that his daughter is being is being held and, and he basically goes on this mission to i'm assuming rescue her with his granddaughter and the trailer itself is a minute and a half of just nick cage straight up murdering people and, and i'm here for it uh, i'm all in for this i'm not going to pay money for this necessarily but damned if i'm not all in to watch this when it when it becomes available because it, it looks like it looks fun i think it looks fun i think nick, nick cage looks fun and uh, go team go. So uh, we'll start with Tunny. Your thoughts on the retirement plan starring Grandpa Nicholas King. Yeah, I actually seen this uh, pop up and I think on Twitter um, and I kind of dismissed it. And then I had to watch it this morning for the homework. And I thought it was hilarious. And it works because of the roller coaster that Nicholas Cage has been right. And America loves a comeback. They love a guy that has been up, gets taken down, and and tries to get back up again. And that's why a lot of this stuff has been successful. In addition to Nick Cage being able to pick characters and stories that make fun of himself a little bit, but only prop him up in the end because it's something that is very entertaining. 
I didn't think there was a chance in hell when I seen this on social media that I would watch it. Now, I'm not going to go pay to see it, but when it's out on streaming, I've already paid for it. I will watch this one. It looks really funny. And the fact that a guy who is has the personality of Nicolas Cage would be an assassin it is kind of funny in and of itself. Yeah, I don't really feel like it's a stretch at all, like a stretch role for him to play. I, I, I'm all for it. Uh, Ray Cash, have you had a chance to check it out? I have. Um, yes. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> Hold on, dude. I, I just going to do this now because no. Man. There you have it, folks. Ray Cash on his opinions of the retirement plan. Dave Ungar, your thoughts. <laughs> no, does it look fun? Of course it does. There's, yes, I wouldn't pay money to see it, but I'll definitely watch it if it's on TV or if I'm bored one night watching dun 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 the cock but uh i don't understand like the the weight of unbearable talent was like the perfect nick cage movie because it was literally him him jumping back into the world saying i'm here and i acknowledge all the craziness that happened before here it was a beautiful movie to me because it was so meta it was like fantastic right but i don't understand i mean no disrespect nick cage is a legend why is now the Nick Cage re- like return tour? What is it about now that he's in every movie? I, I don't know, but so weird. Say, you could ask that you could ask that question about all kinds of actors. Remember when like just out of nowhere, Liam Neeson was like fucking Mr. Action. Like Taken comes out, and then and basically every single movie was like a derivative of Taken. Like the thing Nick Cage was in everything. I think part of it is a lot of these roles, and I'm sorry, Dave, to to kind of answer this without you giving a chance to, to kind of talk on the trailer. I do think a part of this is the lot of these roles he's taken are leaning into the parody of who we would presume Nick Cage is and the roles he would do. And I think that's why these things are getting cast and getting made because, you know, you look at it like he was a kick-ass two or kick, was a kick-ass or kick-ass two. He was a kick-ass, you know, uh, he's been around and, and has been doing fine. It's just suddenly it's like, folks have kind of taken a second look at him and and the role he, you know, who he is and and what kind of roles he's willing to play. And he's just, he's leaning into it and it's great. I I think it's great. I think it's great for him. Dave, your thoughts on uh, the retirement plan and then we'll move on. Kind of funny that we mentioned national treasure and Nicholas Cage has kind of turned into a national treasure of his own amongst the uh, the populace. Cause yeah, he's in everything. This is kind of a, yeah, you know, people get this way. Like you were saying, Liam Neeson was one of them. Uh, you know, they go through cycles where John Travolta was kind of the same way, gone and then resurgent for many years and that sort of thing. So it looks fun. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm not. I don't think it's something I'm going to go and say. Yeah, I'm going to watch this in the theater, but uh, it does look like a fun movie. That's for sure. And there's a lot of, uh, <laughs> you know, ever since seen Nicolas Cage long hair and Superman, it's like, well, let's get as much of him as we can while we still can. So. No, it looks like a fun movie. Um, I'm probably I'll check it out. I'm probably in Tony's boat. That yeah, I, I at first I was like, ah, I'm not sure about this, but the more I watch it, watch a trailer a couple times, like yeah, this this looks kind of fun. I'll have to check this out. Yeah, I don't. Again, I don't think any of us here are saying we would check this out in a theater. Um, but I definitely am probably checking this out when it when it pops up in my streaming list as something to watch. And and I don't even know that it would be one of those where I'd be like. I'm going to watch it at three o'clock in the morning when I'm hammered. Like I might watch this sober, you guys Maybe high on caffeine, but you know, I'll watch it sober. All right. Do what you got to do, buddy. All right. We're going to move into our next trailer. I'm going to speak about this as little as I can. 
is because I know I'm gonna I'm gonna here here I'm even gonna do this just in fairness to the show in fairness to everything we talk about I'm just I'm gonna pre boo myself. Because as Netflix is rolling out its, you know, lineups of shows and movies and films and everything that they're doing coming forward, they they did uh they we've talked about this a lot since the Tadam event. This is my first chance really to talk about it, put it out. But there was a featurette with a little bit of a mini trailer for a uh, little film called Rebel Moon. Now DJ corrected me and said that this was intentionally supposed to be a Star Wars project. Uh, what I could find was that it was, um, shoot, Zack Snyder, my favorite director's, a pitched, attempt to pitch a Star Wars project to our friends over at Disney slash Lucasfilm, and it never got picked up. You know why? Because Disney is smart enough to know that Zack Snyder makes trash films that nobody should watch. But now he works for Netflix, so he could transition it over to It's Just in Space, even though everything about this screams Star Wars knockoff. Fuck Zack Snyder. I don't want to watch this. I don't care how compelling it looks. It looks like shit. So I'm going to let um, we'll let Dave and Tony talk about how this is is shit, but maybe not you know the worst shit and, and all of that. Okay. So um, I don't know. One of you want to want to defend Zack Snyder and his shitty films? Oh look, no, I, no, you go. There you go. Zack Snyder sucks ass. Don't do it. Is this going to be? Is this a movie or a series? I think it's a movie. And it's going to premiere on Netflix I, sometime. I know it's it's kind of hard. It's kind of hard. To, it was hard to tell, but um, it is. Tony's saying it's a movie. When does it? Do we know when this comes out? I mean, don't care. Okay, I fuck Zack Snyder. Don't. Oh, I said know. I'd be quiet. Yeah, I. Yeah, it's a Star Wars ripoff. I think Zack Snyder unapologetically admitted it's a Star it's Wars a Chris, ripoff. This is this year's Christmas film. It's okay. twenty twenty six or holiday, whatever. December twenty second. It's not a good sign when even in the behind the scenes stuff, there's slow motion going on already. It's like, fuck, what are we doing here? Um, and I know Pat's trying to stifle himself, but it, that's I know one of our big complaints about Zach is there's just too much slow motion. I don't know. There there's like there's elements of it that look kind of interesting, like Star Wars meets Cowboy Bebop or some shit like that going on. I mean, I. I don't know enough about it. I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I don't hate Zack Snyder as much as uh, as you do, Pat. I certainly don't love him like DJ does. There's enough in here. I want to see the official trailer. I mean, this is kind of a behind the scenes mixed with a sort of teaser. I want to see the official trailer to get a better idea. What are they actually trying to tell us here? Um, is there anything compelling here that's going to make me say, I have to check this out? So I'm going to defer judgment on this right now to say that there's elements of it that looks good. There's elements of it that I'm like, hey, this is too, too much Snyderville and I'm not interested in all that, but you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I don't know enough about this to, to condemn it or to approve it. So I'll defer and, and I'll wait until we get a full trailer before I really make up my mind about this. Tony. It's funny because what you shared with us was kind of like a making of and like how, you know, um, they immerse themselves really into this planet, this world that they're trying to create and, and, and what was actually happening there and, and when and where it was happening. The cast is great. Um, there's a new screen coming to your movie theater. So it's like a 4X screen and it's not necessarily 3D. It's not the 4DX with the sensory 
uh, submersive experience, but it expands the picture out into the walls. And this just kind of, when you have this well put together set and scenery, which I think that at the very least, this is going to deliver on that level. Um, I can't wait to see that in the movie theaters. And that's what I thought of when I watched this. I, I don't know. You said star Wars knockoff. It's, it's just another new world that I probably can't get into considering all the worlds we're so deeply immersed into right now. Before Ray goes, can I throw some, did you guys see, uh, Oppenheimer's IMAX reel with things like fucking 11 miles long? It could barely fit in the movie theaters. It's crazy to look at this thing anyway. Sorry. Yeah. So yeah, Ray, um, tell everybody why Zack Snyder is, you know, ripping off star Wars and why we shouldldn't watch it. I don't mind rip. I don't mind ripping off. Thinking, I, I don't mind ripping off Star Wars because Star Wars is like the Godfather of sci-fi, modern sci-fi. At least. So I don't mind that, right? You, everybody has to start from somewhere, and something there was something before that, and something before that, right? So rock and roll came from reggae, and these there's just so many. It, it all kind of falls. So I don't. That don't bother me. What I don't care about is this trailer because I don't care about the behind the scenes. Show me what I'm gonna what I'm gonna be watching. The, that's not gonna make me want to watch the show. I don't care. I don't care about the behind the scenes and the slow motion. Expo- no, let me see the movie. Show me what the trailer looks like so I can see if I'm interested in it or not. Because if the whole rhetoric about the show about the movie is it's almost it's basically rip off of Star Wars. I need to see it to see if I want to watch it or not. So the trailer don't mean nothing to me. I I don't hate Zack Snyder like you do. I don't think about him in any form or fashion you know um i've enjoyed some of his movies some of them not so much um but i will say he he clearly has to do with netflix because army of the dead and then the, the yeah other yeah army that's members. yeah that's old news yeah he it's yeah. some sort of like multi-picture deal or something like that so it's kind of like what uh Adam sandler did yeah and sandler, for, sandler's and, got a multi-picture deal with netflix as well and for series shonda rhimes did the same thing for series wise yeah. smart business because basically you got your money up front. So yeah. if it doesn't do well, you still paid. It's my business. Okay. Um, the interesting, the only thing that's of interest to me regarding what you gave us in the trailer park is he mentioned that this has been in his mind for a long, long time, which for someone like Patrick O'Dowd is probably very problematic. <laughs> so I'm interested to see. I, w- I want to see, truly want to see if you are willing to give it a chance. I want to see if you watch it and if you'll actually give it a chance and possibly like it. That's the most interesting thing about this thing. Right. Well, the answer is no. Though I joked with DJ in the uh, in the bandwagon nerds message thread that the big heel turn will, or the big swerve will be all watch it and like it. Uh, my thing is, and here's my problem with is even out of the snippets that we got, the basic tenets of the story is a almost a note for note knockoff on the basic story of Star Wars in that it is oppressive, imperialistic government going after the little guy, you know, like poor people on the outskirts of the galaxy galaxy. You got people fighting with laser swords. It just, this was the problem. Like the reason star Wars knockoffs don't work is because they're star Wars knockoffs. And that's really the sense of what I get here. I don't care how many actors say it's a joy to work with them. I don't need star Wars in slow motion. So yeah, I'm the angry old man over this one. And that's what it's going to be. And we're going to use that to then segue into Real Star Wars, because we did get a full trailer for Ahsoka. We finally got to see a lot more of, uh, not just Ahsoka, but some Ren, which is exciting. Uh, and the Master Padawan-esque 
element between the two of them. I was very stoked. If you've ever watched Star Wars Rebels, in which I have, this I was very excited about this. I also think one of the other big reveals out of this little trailer, you know, we got to see Grand Admiral Thrawn for the first time, like full in the face. But it kind of got confirmed that Ezra Bridger is that hologram that Sabine is looking at that's like talking to her. Like they in, show in his one face on that mural on the wall, right? Right. Right, like we we know that there is a a uh, an Ezra Bridger out there, and that's exciting for me. Uh, and I'm just I'm ready for this. And it's just it breaks my heart that Ray Winston died because this is if Ahsoka was going to happen past this, fucking sucks that Ray Winston won't be a part of it moving forward because he looks awesome. He looks menacing. We talked about this in the teaser trailer. I I, I have nothing has changed for me. And I can't wait to learn more about this this different order of force wielding, lightsaber wielding characters because they're not Sith and they're not Jedi. Clearly, so what not are Jedi? They? Right, but you know, like, what are they? That's one of the interesting mysteries going on here as Grand Admiral Thrawn becomes the forefront of the of the next limited Star Wars series. Tony, it's all Star Wars. Yin. Oh, I'm in. Uh, as much did as I mean, get beer. the lighter yeah. flick. Yeah, thing? We, we, let's did, go. we did. We did. Let's let's go. Patrick even cheers that. So I can't wait to see that dynamic between Ahsoka and is it Sabine? Is that who we're talking about, right? And it just it it did it it immediately reminded me of Obi and Luke or or, or Qui Gon and Obi. It was it was really that kind of esque thing. I don't really necessarily go to the Obi and Anakin space. And and even though Ahsoka lives in that kind of, you know, orbit, I just, right away you get in the trailer, Sabine calling Ahsoka master after all the time away and separate. I thought that was kind of a big thing that you you got to see right there. So, yeah, man, Thrawn's back and and it's just going to be good. I mean, this this is what we need. We need something like this. And I think that this darker Jedi is just probably someone that rejected the goody two shoes Jedi side, but not necessarily wanted to live on the Sith or, um, you know, Vader ish side of, of, of the force. So who knows? It seems like they're kind of more of a cutthroat Jedi. To me. Right. So as someone who's never seen rebels or any of the star Wars oh, animated check series, out rebels, dude. Oh, so trust good. me. I know I've learned rebels in, in clone wars. is something that's on my list to just try to burn through in a week. When I rebels time. is easier to burn through than clone wars because clone wars is like eight seasons. Like it's like eight, yeah. nine seasons. That's a slog. Yeah, I know, man. But I, but I want, especially so the Mandoverse reignited my interest in, in star Wars in a deep way. Like I always watch the major movies casually. And, and from an enjoyment standpoint, but the Mandoverse really got me deeply into the lore again. Um, the one thing I love about the Ahsoka trailer and Ahsoka as a series is two things. By the way, Ahsoka's dope as hell. Rosario Dawson's amazing. The two things from this trailer that really interest me and about the show is, number one, I am inherently a person who believes narratively that a story is only as good as the bad person, as the villain, as the antagonist. Thrawn seems to be dope as hell. And we have spent so many series and so many years building up to Thrawn's return that now I'm like, I got to see what's so big and bad about this. I'm hyped for that. Secondly, the thing that kind of made me not turn me, I've never turned away from Star Wars. I've always loved it and enjoyed it. But the thing that made me not as deep a fan as you guys were and just more casual was I'm really tired of it just only being Sith and Jedi. 
we got this big ass world and this gal this infinite galaxy and that's all we got give me something extra that's why i love the man of the delorean so much because it's something extra that exists in the gray space having these force wielding people who are neither go by the light or go by the darkness interests me i need different give me more i have no problem revolving around in the main space around seth versus jedi that's what built this series this entire world but there's a lot more than those two things and that that's what's going to bring me in so they got me i just want to add one thing before you go dave i'm sorry patrick but harrison doula right is the is the green long ponytailed new han solo right S-H-S-H. This is this is like redoing Obi-Wan, Luke, and, and Han. It You can really relate that to that with these three and doing it in a female version, and it's smart. It's smart. You really, you really need to watch Rebels. Because I, I, I really do, because I love her character. She's 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 not Han Solo. No, but I'm she's saying, very different. Like, I, I, I kind of get what you're saying, but yeah. Right, and I'm not saying all, all the dynamics are the same, but you have... Right same formula while pulling from different parts of personality the chaotic good person the lawful good person and then the the kind of splinter character yeah i i get your point yeah that's what star wars is built on all right dave how hype are you oh beyond hype i i mean i think there's so much going on with this series that is going to be vitally important pushing star wars for whether ahsoka goes on or whether this is it for ahsoka to know you know, I, I don't know, but I think uh, I wanted to ask you, Pat, because like my nephew saw it and he was not thrilled with the fact that Sabine is going to abandon being, in his words, a badass Mandalorian to be some piece of shit Jedi. But of course, he's this is this is somebody who is not a fan of the Jedi. He's more Sith oriented. And I'm like, you know, they're like, well, that wasn't the story they told us. Like, how do you know that wasn't the story they told? They ended the story with Rebels. This is a continuation of Rebels. Maybe this is where her right. story goes. Sabine turns into a Jedi. Well, and so here's the the because the big the big relationship in Rebels for Sabine is her her and Ezra really and like she loves Ezra like she does like that's kind of the big thing as you get towards the end and she was the really the one who spearheaded wanting to look for her or look for him and this is just a moment for her uh, I would say it's a crossroads and an opportunity with her what's to say. That we don't end up with a Sabine in her Mandalorian armor wielding lightsabers. Like sign me up. Like if we want sign if we want to be fanboy, if we want to be fanboy about this, you know how I always make fun of the book of Boba Fett that it's like some seven-year-old who was playing with his action figures and going like, oh my god. This is my seven-year-old playing with action figures, going, Oh my gosh, look at the Mandalorian. We can lightsabers, you guys. That's me. We've, we've already laid the groundwork for it. In in right. in Mandalorian, right? Yeah. Mixing Jedi and Mandalorian. And here's the thing: Ezra Bridger, Iman Fondi, That's who's playing the character. And I right. think, and I think, low key, Ezra is. I would say there's a chance he's probably more important moving forward than Ahsoka. Oh, is. I think he's. I think he's incredibly important, and I think that's going to be a big part of the series. Is that you know it's about Ezra as much as it is about Ahsoka's and journey. Thrawn. I mean, and Ezra and Thrawn, and Thrawn. are so. Obviously, right. we know how attached they so, were to each other. So I'm, yeah, I'm thoroughly excited about this. So, and I and I think there's a lot of possibilities. And the last thing I wanted to talk about is, um, for those people who are very like, you know, I hate Sith, and you know, or I love Sith, and I hate this, or whatever. 
there's always been the, there's a bunch of memes and stuff out there for kind of expanded lore people when it comes to the Jedi that there are there's a third tier of Jedi out there that's that's largely been talked about but never seen in movies that's more of a quote unquote neutral path uh, between the two uh, because the thing that if you notice all these characters that are not named as well in Ahsoka her her lightsaber colors off they're all wielding yellow lightsabers like it's it's a different look. Like they all look very different. They're not carrying the red of the Sith Lord or the blue slash green, or if you're Sam Jackson, purple lightsaber colors that are typical of what we've seen previously. And the only person before that that we've seen was Ahsoka. I think that maybe made one exception in um, Clone Wars. I feel like there may have been one character who had a yellow lightsaber. But I, I can't. But it was like some one-off random Jedi Council guy. No, you, you raised the point. I mean, Ahsoka herself is she turned away from the Jedi, so she's not a or pure. White. Does, does Ahsoka have white lightsabers? So. Is that what it is? But she's not a pure Jedi either because she turned away from it. She's clearly not right. Sith, and she's closer to the Jedi than than anything. But yeah, she's not like Luke level Jedi or Ray level Jedi on one extreme or what. Palpatine or these other guys that we see in this are on the other extreme. She's somewhere in the middle of all that. When did she turn on the Jedi? Because the last she I remember seeing her, Clone Wars, she walked away. Okay, because it wasn't. A, it was not the Mandoverse. She got the Mandoverse. No. She's the one that was. But even brought even, in to help Grogu. But even then, she's very reluctant to do anything involving training, and that's why she kind of gets Luke involved. Because yeah, just, she was she was framed in Clone Wars for a murder, and and felt like she mm. wasn't supported. You know, and gotcha, walked away gotcha, from it. Gotcha. Okay. So she is toting white lightsaber um, in this series. It, so she's her own person too, which is not a chart. typical color. Wouldn't it be cool to have like a video game chart of like the attributes of each colored lightsaber? Yes. This is Go this play Knights of the Old Republic, and you'll get all that. Right. That's good. You better, you know. I mean, but for movie a game goal. that still holds up really well, does. even all these years later. By the way, kids. All right, we're gonna move to a uh, to a trailer that nobody asked for and a movie that nobody wants, but uh, we're getting it anyway because if there's one thing that Hollywood loves to do, it's they love to take existing properties and make sequels and prequels and play on your nostalgic heartstrings. And that's what we got this week, is we finally got our first look at Timothy Chalamet as Willy Wonka in the trailer for the movie Wonka. Now, I sat there, and I was like, okay, I'm going to see it. I'm going to watch it. And I did. And the only thing that got me was Hugh Grant in the Oompa Loompa jar. And the music starts, and he's like, the music started, and I can't stop. And he starts doing the Oompa Loompa dance. Everything else, one, this is supposed to be a prequel to the Gene Wilder, uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory movie. Like it's very, very clear, like in aesthetic look, as particularly Hugh Grant Loompa Loompa. Um, but and, and Tony will go first on this uh, on this overview. It's iconic things. I really wish people would stop fucking with iconic shit. And and, 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 and this is one of those examples. Gene Wilder and, and his portrayal of Willy Wonka is iconic. And so to take that property and try to do a prequel, one, it's unfair to Timothy Chalamet, an actor I love, as he tries to put his own persona on the character, while at the same time, under the constraints of this is a prequel of this movie that's coming later, as we try to find out how Willy Wonka got his start. No, 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 no. I think this movie's going to bomb come Christmas. I don't think it's going to do well at all. Uh, I don't care how awesome and colorful and musical it looks and the star power that's in it. 
I just don't buy it. Tony, what about you? Who posted this, by the way? I Let's, did. Yeah. Oh, I, I, did, I did. So oh, then, did you post it? I was the one. Oh, it's it Dave's fault. I was going to post it. Dave posted So you were so going to talk about I this trailer did. today anyway. So chastise and, me, Tony. Bring it. No, somebody commented, and I was like, do we do we need another Wonka? You know? I mean, do we? So, uh, you know, watch the trailer, and I can't wait. This looks awesome. Patrick, you're wrong. This is the I story that hasn't okay. been told about this. We haven't told we haven't been told the story on the big screen of him becoming what he was. Maybe we get a, a a sequel to this that shows him how he goes even a little bit more crazy because he's not as there as he is here when he's starting this business to me. I think it's really fun. The what is it the is it the chocolate illuminati? No, it's not that. It's something else, but it's hilarious, right? I mean, this just looks like a really fun, fun thing. And like you said, the casting, Chalamet, Hugh Grant, there, there's a bunch of other people in this movie that, that you, you respect as actors and actresses. I, sure. I can't wait for Rowan, I, Ackles, Rowan Atkinson's in this, Keegan-Michael Key's in this, Olivia Coleman, great actors. I think it's going to make a lot of money. Awful. It's going to be a new holiday staple from here on out. I think it's going to be really good, honestly, because I think I believed in Tim- Timothy Chalamet as a young Wonka when I watched the trailer and I was so skeptical and hesitant, even having to push play. Uh, okay. So there's one for and one against, uh, we'll go with, uh, we'll go with David Ungar next who has grumpy old man face. So this, this could um, be interesting. So I watched this and, and I, and you know, as I'm watching it, it, it doesn't, it doesn't resonate with me as like a, a prequel to the Gene Wilder one, but more like something connected to the Johnny Depp, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, um, which Patrick didn't like that one either. Um, you know, and, and I mean, but then I'm thinking, it's like, well, they don't really need to tell a prequel because they kind of told Willie's story in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory with his dad, the dentist, and how he ends up becoming a chocolatier and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, I don't I don't know. I mean, I agree with you, Pat, that dabbling or trying to mess with, um, you know, Gene Wilder's iconic performance, but they kind of already tried that once with Johnny Depp to very mixed results. Um, so I'm not sure that this this goes anywhere, but it does have a hell of a cast and it does look fun and it is something that's going to appeal to kids. And, you know, that's going to make money probably at Christmas time. So, I mean, I love the property of the Willy Wonka, you know, in the chocolate factory and all that stuff. So I, I'm moderately interested in it. I don't know. Um, yeah, I'm really undecided on this one. It, it's got some redeeming qualities to it. That's for sure. But I just, yeah, I don't know, man. <laughs> that's, that's the best I can say about it. I'll check, I'll check back out after this, but I just want to say in talking about secret invasion, the Johnny Depp was a little more cosmic. If you know what I mean, this seems a little more street level. True. Sort of. But then you got people flying around with eating chocolate and flying to the ceiling. Fizzy lifting yep. chocolate drinks, I guess. They're not hallucinating with like peppermint swirls in their eyes oh, like they did that's... with. All right. So we now have one for one against Dave taking a stand on the fence. Ray Cash. Mm-hmm. Where do you fall? Well, let me say this. It's interesting all three of you say that we didn't need another one because it makes perfect sense to me. I'll tell you why. Because we are in the world of telling documentaries and the behind the scenes of serial killers. So, yeah, it makes perfect sense to me that we have the Wonka, another Wonka movie. It's equate Wonka so, to uh, a serial killer. Did you, yeah, I was like, did you just call Willie Wonka a serial killer? Where did the chapter come from? He was killing fat kids for a while. Yeah, he killed a kid. He did kill a goose to scoop. Oh, wait, no, he survived. Anyway, um, 
Yeah, I, I'm sorry, guys. I just can't get behind it. I just I can't. Um, and and as far as it being a holiday staple, Tony, I just uh, I don't. You know what? Wrong, no. wrong, 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 wrong. You're wrong. You're wrong. You're wrong. This shit's gonna be playing on uh, 30 days of Christmas on like whatever that uh, whatever freeform is now. The shit, freeform? like seven times. At like two in the morning. I I don't I don't feel it at all. Let's get to a movie that I think we all feel on some level, and that is the final Blue Beetle trailer is hit. This film is coming out in early August. Uh, I came across an article as I was looking at this. I think published by like IGN that was something along the lines of the trailer's good, but are fans gonna go? I think that's a real question. The trailer is good. Like I know I'm going. The little O'Dowd wants to go. I'm interested. So for all of you out there who love to talk about my like DC hate, I'm interested in this movie. Um, and I, I think I actually think it will do well uh, if if this tone and, and level is one. The only thing I didn't like about this trailer when I'm some people, I'm sure other people will disagree and love it was uh, was Granny with the gun uh, at the end of the trailer. Granny with the big gun. I was like, whatever. Um, it's granny goodness. It's just Pat, it's Pat. Granny goodness. There you go. OK. But anyway, whatever it is or wherever it's going, like to me, it just didn't like it didn't work for me. Uh, but the rest of the trailer, I really liked. I found interesting. Uh, I love the idea of Susan Sarandon as a villain and uh, just not necessarily a role we see her in very often. And so I'm excited to see her as a you know evil government entity. It seems like so. Um, who hasn't gone for Ray? Have you gone first yet? Not since Ray, you go first. first go first. You go. You hit us. Hit us with some Blue Beetle. Because um, I know you're very excited about this movie. If you remember, I've been the biggest proponent of this movie since we started talking about it. Um, and the casting is the one. The let me let me start with the small negative. George Lopez is a legend. Too much George Lopez in these trailers, and I get he's the comedic backbone of the movie. It's a little too much for me. Yeah, it's a little too much. They um, gave you too much George. They gave me too much George, and it's not that I, I, I want that much George in the movie because we're gonna need some levity. Too much in the trailer. Um, I want to touch real fast on the point you made about will people go to see it? And I, was it last week? Um, you mentioned to us one of these past few shows about Elemental and how nobody was going to see it at first. And then word of mouth picked up that it was really good. And people started seeing it a little more after initial the initial showing. I think this is going to do that because I don't think people are going to go immediately because, number one, tell me if I'm wrong, guys. How often do you see this on TV, this trailer? You don't see a lot of these. I've started, I've started to see it a little bit more. Here's the thing that's interesting. We keep talking about TV. I see it in front of streaming stuff a lot. If you are on an ad tier okay. streaming thing, I'm seeing it on certain things. Like I see it in front of YouTube videos all the time now. Uh, like when mm. I'm on YouTube, just looking stuff up. So, and we can maybe this is, we'll table this discussion. Mm. I, I think for another episode. But I do think there's an interesting question of where are advertisers going now? Yeah, it's a, in, that's a great in traditional television. I think that there's a demographic that still watches traditional television and that's the advertisers that go there. And so I'm start, I'm wondering, and I would, I, this is like a research sort of thing. I'd be really interested to see, maybe we're just not looking in the right place for where stuff is advertised. That's a, that's a great point because I don't, there's nothing that I have streaming wise that I pay for ads. I, I paid to not watch the ad. So I would never know that. That's a great point. So maybe that is where they're, 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 putting their their marketing dollars but i know i don't see it much on tv i'm hoping 
people know about it and care about it, but as bad as DC has bombed, and yes, people know George Lopez, people know Susan Sarandon, Joe Lamar and Duenia is becoming a big star now because of Cobra Kai, but I don't know if he's so recognizable that people be like, oh, I gotta go watch him. Now, there's a great story I mentioned to you, like younger people for sure are gonna wanna watch it, Hispanics will probably wanna go see it, because it's, forgive the pun, because it's a horrible, not pun, but forgive the comparison, because it's a horrible comparison but it's almost like the hispanic black panther how often do you see a hispanic naturally hispanic particularly mexican superhero that gets their own movie own show flaming hot did so well be partly because of that it was unapologetically hispanic and a lot of this movie seems to be that um so i'm really excited for it i wanted to do well the trailer was dope you get a little more about jaime reyes you get to see a little bit more about um, how the Scarab and him interact. I do not like that him and the Scarab seem to be homies because that Scarab hated Jamie for the longest. They had to work it out. And if we get that fixed immediately, then that's a little narrative that the comic fan of me may be a little against, but also this is supposed to be fun. So the Scarab can't sit here and be horrible. Um, but I don't think anything negative can come from this movie. DC got to understand, take whatever money you can get because you got to start building your fan base back. Um, I think it's going to be an unmitigated success critically, and hopefully it breaks even, at least. By the way, uh, before we get over to uh, Tony's thoughts on this final trailer, Elemental now up to $263.4 million as of July 14th between its worldwide and domestic growth. And so I, think still, that still amount of, I think that amount of money, and this may sound crazy, given it's a, a comic property, I think that amount of money for Blue Beetle would be an absolute success. I think it's gonna make more than that. I think it's gonna. I think it's gonna make Ant Man one money. Like I really do. Like I really I believe it, it. I hope it. Does. I think it will. Tony, go ahead. Ant Man's a really good comparison. Um, I George Lopez being so prevalent in the trailers is just smart. That's what it is. Whether you like it or not, it, it really is because there are no other names of that stature to put it simply. Susan Sarandon's um, not a name, but she's the bad guy. You can't show too much of the bad. It's guy. true. Yeah, I know. I know. I just. And at, the same time, girl. and at the same time, more people will recognize George Lopez than Susan Sarandon, period. As Wait. much as we... Oh, it's a true story. It's easily a true story. But this looks well done. This looks like it's going to be really fun. It reminds me of what we just did on the Marvel side uh, with... with um, uh, who is the young actress name? Uh, now they're going to have the movie. Ms. Marvel? Ms. Marvel? Yeah, caught in, with Amon Villani yeah. is her name. Yes, yes, yes. And it it just looks like it works. It it looks smart and intelligent. And I'm interested to see how this is going to connect. Like we said, that's the biggest thing, right? Where does Blue Beetle play a part in what happens moving forward? If not with the actual Blue Beetle, but the story they're trying to tell right now, because that could be the case. Has there been any mention of Cor- of Tay Cord yet? Was, did the Beetle come from Cord Industries? Any tie into that? Did you, anybody yeah, notice? I think I. I think that's the name of the building where the the scarab uh, came from. person who runs away, where the scarab is, mm-hmm. um, where it comes up. So I do think that's been part of it. I don't know that it's been prominent, like you know, like something that's been shown in the trailers. Dave, uh, over to you uh, for your thoughts on the final Blue Beetle trailer. I think Ray brings up a really good point. This movie's success will hinge on the Hispanic turnout. I really believe that they are the ones who are going to drive this because I know most of the people who are around me are looking at the trailers thinking, 
fuck, this looks like Transformers meets Power Rangers. Why am I going to watch this? And there is an element in that. And I think that they're also very smart because there are a lot of throwbacks to the first Iron Man. You know, they're trying to make the Scarab Jarvis, right? Ray's nodding. And I think that there's they are being very overt about that and saying, look, you know, remember this? This is kind of the same thing, which is a little problematic because the scavengers relationship with uh, Jaime is certainly not Jarvis and Tony, but I get why they're doing it. And, you know, DC doesn't have time to mess around and drag this out and, and develop this acrimonious relationship that eventually turns into something much different. So I get that. But I think, you know, that the problem, the, my biggest concern with Blue Beetle is just that there's a lot of, um, I don't know about pressure because Gunn is kind of saying this is the beginning, but it's really not. And so I don't know if there it's got that kind of pressure to break through and be the runaway hit that I think a lot of us are hoping. I just want it to get a fair shake. That's all I care about. It's detached from the DCEU. I want people to watch this with an open mind and not try and compare it to anything Zack Snyder's done or any of the other train wrecks like The Flash. This is something completely different, something completely new. I do think having a, a younger lead is going to be hugely important for DC moving forward. Not the same old guys, not the same old old guys, not a guy with a bunch of baggage you know, a bunch of skeletons in the closet. So I do think the Hispanic population will come out and really support this a lot more than a lot of us are anticipating. And um, yeah, it, it looks good. I, I mean, I'm, I'm going to be there because I want DC to succeed and I want to see this movie. And I think it's, it's got a lot of stuff going on with it going for it. That is, is going to set it apart from anything that we really seen before, as far as DC is concerned. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. I do think it's going to do fine. I think it's going to do well. I think this, it, it just even has a different feel. Like, let's, I, I want to compare it to The Flash real quick and the, and the build up to The Flash releases and, you know, and all the clouds that were surrounding that, Dave, that you talked about. There's nothing shady or like untoward, any, there's just nothing. For, the only negative surrounding Blue Beetle is DC Films history. Like, that's it. And even that, like, looking at this trailer, like, again, Little O'Dowd's in. And the little doubt is at that point now where he's much more discerning of what he wants to see. And he saw that first trailer and was like, I know he's my kid. Um, and so it makes sense. But he saw that immediate thumbs up, saw that final trailer, immediate thumbs up. Though he did have a, a little bit of a problem with how much damage the whole like first encounter with the with the, with the suit was giving around the town. He was like, wow, they really, they tore a bus in half and like he crashed into a building and broke part of a bridge. Um, boy, the people are going to be mad at him, huh? But mm. on the whole, it looks good. It looks fun. And I think it's going to work. Keyword. Last time, Keyword. then we got to move on. Keyword. The one thing DC has never been is fun. It's the reason why they cast Jason Momoa as Aquaman. It's the reason why they thought they could bring a Flash movie earlier than they needed it to be. DC has never been fun. This is fun. Shazam was fun. Shazam Fury, the yeah, 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 and and yeah, that was yeah, it was too point. bad that they never followed that model, and then Zachary Levy is a kind of a nut job. Um, okay, we got to keep moving. We're we're running super long today. Uh, do want to talk about uh, some casting news? Uh, I mentioned this at the top of the show. James Gunn, you know, we finally broke the news that um, we have our Superman in Lois Lane, and now it's like we cannot stop getting Superman legacy casting. News. We got an announcement of three characters first. We got that that have been cast. Uh, most notably, Nathan Fillion 
has been cast as a Green Lantern. He's been cast as Guy Gardner. Yes. Uh, which I, it's really interesting when I shared this article with the BWN group that it, it was a little polarizing. And I was like, I think that's a fucking great casting for Guy Gardner. Um, we also learned that Isabella Merced, who uh, was cast in Dora and the Lost City of Gold, will be playing Hot Girl. Um, Hawk Girl, not Hot Girl, though she is a Hot Girl. Her, her character's name is Hawk Girl. And Edie uh, Gathegi. Uh, from X-Men First Class, uh, I can't remember who they played uh, in, in X-Men First Class. played Bishop. No, he didn't. His character died in X-Men First Class. Oh, no. First Man First Class. It was Darwin. I'm sorry. First Class. Darwin. That's right. Uh, he's playing Mr. Terrific. And people are very, very excited about a Mr. Terrific. Like, there's a lot of folks. Ray kicking and screaming. Dave, why why you got this, like, nonplussed, like, get-off-my-lawn face? Over these casting news, I'm just listening, like, man. They got they got young. We got you know. Uh, we also got announced. Sorry, I'll, I'll do the other announcement, and then we'll just kind of reflect on all four. Anthony Kerrigan has been cast as Metamorpho uh, as well, and it was funny. Like these announcements come about, and somebody actually had the balls to like tweet at James Gunn. Like I thought this movie was about Superman, and James Gunn was like. Superman is a man of two worlds, Clark and Lois, Jimmy and Perry, and Superman with his metahuman compatriots. How could I tell a full story about Clark slash Superman without including all areas of his life? Because James Gunn will have none of your salt, folks. None of them. He is coming for you. He's going to get after it. I'm going to talk about one the, the one casting that, that I know and love. I'll let the rest of you guys kind of wax poetic because you're probably more familiar with the characters than I am. But I think Nathan Fillion as a guy Gardner playing an absolute dickhead of a, of a character is perfect. And Nathan Fillion can do it. And for those of you who don't remember, Nathan Fillion can be a bad guy. Uh, go all the way back to his early, early days when he started out as a, a horrible, horrible bad guy in the final season of Buffy the Vampire Slayer where he was basically a dick who ripped out the throats and hearts of future Slayers before they became Slayers. Awesome, as the evil priest Gabriel. So I'm going to start it off with Dave. Dave, you do um, give your thoughts. We'll go Dave, Ray, Tunney uh, as we look at these casting and go. I mean, Nathan Fillion as Guy Gardner is, is great. I mean, look, at, look at Captain Malcolm Reynolds, Firefly, which was a, a much more serious kind of role for him and not i don't know if he'll, he'll probably be darker than that in this one though but all that aside casting is one thing i think james gunn is fucking brilliant here with these characters that he's introducing because you are taking the most recognizable superhero in history in the world superman you've got lois lane so you've got the recognizable stuff and then he's bringing in like we've talked about gunn loves these tertiary characters guardians of the galaxy is all about these characters that you had never heard of. These are all characters who DC nerds like us know about them, but the general populace is going to be like, what? Um, they know Green Lantern. Certainly there's no secret there. Getting the Green Lanterns involved in some form or fashion early on in the new DC universe. Brilliant. Hawk girl. Um, you know, okay. We saw Hawkman and black Adam. He got his ass kicked. He didn't look so good in that movie. Let's bring in. Let's bring in. He looked fantastic. He, he looked look fantastic. Like very tough. 
But yeah, I mean, so let's we're gonna show just how badass Thangarians can be. We're gonna bring in Hawk Girl right now. Uh, Metamorpho, Mr. Miracle. These are characters that you would look at in first glance. You say, what the fuck is he doing? But if you know James Gunn's history and you've seen what he did in Guardians, this is a brilliant maneuver on his part to attach these characters that we don't know a lot about that he can kind of mold and shape into his own sort of, you know, how he wants to present this and attach them to the most powerful, strongest and well-known character superhero in all of comics. I mean, I know, Ray, you love Superman with all your heart, but you get what I'm saying. I mean, you get what I'm saying, that it makes sense to attach these characters to a Superman property. And I think mm-hmm. it's I just think it's brilliant. And I love what he's done. The casting is, is you know, I don't know enough about it. a lot of them other than Fillion, who I think will do fine. Excellently as Guy Gardner. Uh, but I think, yeah, this is um, this is really smart, really promising first step for guns, DC Universe. And you look at say, well, if this is the direction he's going to go then shit, this, this stuff might actually work, Ray. Well, if it's one thing we know about a James Gunn movie, Nathan Fillion and Michael Rook are going to be in that bitch. We know that. So right. just waiting on the Michael Rooker cast. It's coming. Secondly, this would be a lot of cool stuff to have been announced at, I don't know, Comic-Con? Huh, moving on. Thirdly, um, so look, you, y'all saw me getting hype about these cats. First of all, Nathan Fillion's perfect for Guy Gardner. If nothing else, they got the same damn head. It's perfect. Because <laughs> Guy Gardner's head is a literal square with the bowl cut. Love it. I don't care who plays him. I just think it's dope that Guy Gardner as a character, that Hawk Girl as a character, and any of the Thanagarians, that Metamorpho as a character, and fucking Mr. Terrific. Mr. Terrific is so dope. Batman fears him. That's how dope Mr. Terrific is. That's one of the few people Batman actually has a healthy respect for. Like, yeah, I might might not mess with that dude. That's Mr. Terrific. So dope. So just the the fact that we have these characters, and it's no secret, I could give a flying fuck about Superman. So now I don't care. Because I want to see Guy Gardner. Guy Gardner is so so hateable as a good guy. Superman wants to punch him in the mouth. Who Superman don't like? Superman will help Lex Luthor. He wants to punch Guy Gardner in the mouth. I, just the fact that you give me these amazing characters and 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 these are characters that need via v uh, uh graphics or via vfx or however you want to say it and and cgi and whatever because of the, the, the terrific balls and guy gardner with the hard light constructs and all these things and the wings of um so hype and that's the character one of the most underrated character um actors in the world Oh, he's gonna play. He's gonna be metamorpho. So dope. Um, can the movie come out tomorrow, please? It uh, it cannot. Uh, okay. Because as we'll talk about later, nobody's putting anything out. I, right I now. did. I wanted to uh, add something. That, something, that, something that Ray so. said. Something that Ray said. The Guy Gardner Superman dynamic in this movie is going to be what drives it forward. Because that it's going to be a lot of throwbacks to the some of the friction we saw in the original Guardians. You're going to see that come through here. That's going to be awesome. He hates him so much, but he needs him so much. It's amazing. All right, Tony, to you. I know that you are less connected to these characters and these guys uh, in that perspective, but what do you think of these castings and these actors and, and who we've got playing these roles? No, they, these guys are hitting it on the head. The fact that we get the shadiest Green Lantern and that Nathan Fillion is doing it and he understands James Gunn direction because of his past, That's you're going to get exactly what Gunn wants here and exactly how he wants to create it. I think the biggest thing I'm a fan of, of what we're hearing, what this is supposed to be about, is it's a dichotomy between 
Clark Kent managing his relationship with Lois Lane and Superman managing his relationship with everyone else that's trying to keep the peace. And that's where I think we're going to just kick off this whole James Gunn DC universe because we're just kind of, you know, dragging things out on the backside, but it looks pretty smart as we all are looking forward to Blue Beetle. And now we're getting a storyline for Superman that doesn't just involve him and Lois, but him and the people that he needs to, to continue to take care of the planet he loves. You think yeah, absolutely. The movie? But the planet he loves. You think we get John Kent in the movie as 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 a kid, or no John Kent? Uh, maybe, maybe, maybe not. Not they now. Gotta, they got to build to that. Uh, I think. Right. Uh, it, it has been established we're not getting a sit down origin story on on Superman. So if we don't need we, one. We know that. We don't need one. Dave, 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 why you cut me off, bro? Caffeine, my own caffeine. No. <laughs> I was like, I'm the one who's had a pot of coffee on the program, and wow. Anyway. You're right. We don't need an origin story for Superman. We're not going to get one. An order, an origin story for Jonathan Kent. I think was that's that's future DC um, down the road because we're we are still establishing a, a ground floor, and this is a younger Superman. So we don't want fatherhood yet. Let's let's wait and see what happens. Okay. We are going to uh, table the DC talk now. We are going to take our final commercial break. When we come back, we, we're going to talk about the biggest elephant in the room in the world of Hollywood and entertainment as we are going to talk all things strike. But before we go to our commercial break, let us quickly Ray cash has got to go. Uh, he's got some other engagements to take care of. Thank you for coming on the show today, Ray, anything, tell everybody where to find you on the socials and on the chair shot radio network. You can you find can. me at Burger King, uh, trying to pull through a drive-thru. No, Sorry. leaving Burger King. His burner account leaving. is at Guy Gardner's bitch. Oh, everybody but Ray Cash is going to do all the talking. Jesus Christ. Say, okay, you, go, Ray. You can find me on threads at Guy Gardner's Bowl Cut, but you can find me on on uh, Twitter at It's Ray Cash, R-A-Y's and Mysterio, C-A-S-H as in dollars. I might just do nothing but Mr. Terrific gifts today. Mr. Terrific is dope, y'all. Go look him up, please. Thank you. And as one Mr. Platt would say, thank you and please. Thank you for taking some time today to come and visit us on your Saturday instead of our usual Sunday. Uh, we will talk to you um, the next show, I hope. Yes, uh, we never know with our schedule, so we'll see what happens. Thank you, Ray Cash. Okay, everyone, we're going to take our second commercial break. When we come back, we are going to talk everything writers and actors strike. You are listening to Bandwagon Nerds here on the Chairshot Radio Network, part of the Chairshot.com. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Hey folks, PC Tony here. Thanks to our new partnership with Angry Lemonade, you can save 10% on physical products and digital commissions using the promo code CHAIRSHOT. Head to angrylemonade.net to check out their amazing catalog of products and services. Use the promo code CHAIRSHOT to save 10%. That's angrylemonade.net. All right. Hello again, fellow basement dwellers. Welcome back to Bandwagon Nerds here on the CHAIRSHOT Radio Network part of the chairshot.com where we remind you to always use your head. Remember to head over to prowrestlingtees.com forward slash the chair shot to invest in one of our mini chair shot shirt designs. Spend a few dollars more, get it soft style. We got some great stuff over there. Check us out. We really appreciate it. It keeps us going on the daily. That's right. On the daily chair shots going to give you a podcast every single day. Okay, guys, here we are. Well, okay. Are, are we not on the daily anymore? Tony, what's that? What's that? I believe in us. I mean, I don't know what's going to happen on Tuesday uh, when my other podcast drops. We'll figure it out. You, you seem to work it out. 
man. You're, you're like, you know, the Podfather himself. I wish I had some Godfather music to play right there. Like I would, I would play the, 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 the trumpet. Um, okay. So let's get to this. So to this week after, after a brief extension, it finally happened. The SAG after a union, the negotiations with the studios broke down and they announced officially yesterday, I do believe yesterday at noon, I want to say it was, or, or maybe it was the day before that they're, they're on strike. They are no longer working. Uh, there is, they're, they're taking up their signs and are on the picket lines right now with the writers union as well. And here's the thing that's really interesting. And I know some of this is a PR publicity spin by the union, but man, if some of this stuff is even half true and actually some of it's not spin, uh, cause I'm going to talk about, uh, Bob Iger here in a second. And I know Dave will be ready to jump on this. So, uh, but if some of the stuff that we're hearing is even half true that the studios were pro- proposing in their negotiations, that everybody should be striking. Like they should absolutely be doing. I, this is a, in my opinion, this is a watershed moment and event in the history of filmmaking and television and entertainment because some of the things that studios are proposing is ridiculous. And I want to point to a couple because when this started, it was all about like writers and streaming. But this talk of AI and how it is impacting entertainment and what studios want to do to cut artists out is horrifying. And the biggest example that's making the rounds right now was a proposal for the use of an actor's image and then keeping it in perpetuity, but only paying the actor once to then AI that thing forever. And that's horror, of course. And and this isn't for like the lead actor. It wouldn't be like, so if we were doing a bandwagon nerds thing, it would be like, like if we digitize, like we, we take Tony's face on the bandwagon nerds uh, show, we film it once, we pay Tony one time with his uh, prowrestlingtees.com forward slash the chair shop money. And then we just don't even have Tony on the show anymore. It's just his face and an AI voice, but we keep using his image and not pay him anymore. Like, it's not like that because Tony's a lead. Tony's one of the leading men. Now, if it was Dave, for example, who, you know, clearly a background character, only a half, you know, half part of the show, like we still, Dave, we use him forever. We keep showing him again and again and again. We just like never pay him. It's, it's, those, it's those folks. It's the folks that don't make the big bucks that would really hurt from this. And that's the same thing with writers. Um, cutting out their, their, it's really about these people's livelihoods and the money they make. And so you, you have this backdrop of what studios are asking for. And then Bob Iger, who everybody sort of half celebrated when Bob Chapek was taken out of Disney, who does an interview with, I do believe it was on Squawk Box, where he's talking about writers' expectations and what they're asking for being too much. And yet you turn around and he's wanting to cut everybody out of money and use AI to to trade this stuff because this is a cabal of CEOs who are making upwards of $30 million a year to do their job. Some Bond villain level shit here, guys. And, you know, we're seeing the impacts. You know, we're seeing, you know, Deadpool 3, it was announced, is is no longer filming because of the actor strike. Uh, San Diego Comic-Con is losing panels left and right from actors because they're not going to show up. Uh, the premiere of... Haunted Mansion was supposed to happen today. It is still happening as a fan event. There will be no cast members present um, because of the uh, uh, because of the writer strike. 
Same thing happened at the premiere of Oppenheimer. The cast walked out of the premiere because of the writer strike or the uh, the actor strike. Tony has long said this will be resolved by Christmas. I don't know because this feels like we're in July. This feels miles apart, and I am really concerned about how long it's going to take to work this out because you, these guys got to stick to their guns or they're not going to get paid. And and they deserve to get paid, and it'll kill an industry. It'll kill a career if they don't really stand up for themselves here. So that's a lot to take in. Uh, I don't know who wants to go first uh, on this one. Uh, both of them pointed at each other, so we're going to go with uh, Tony, and then we'll go with Dave. The the immediate thing that you found was Pat McAfee hosted the ESPYS because Kevin Hart was going to do it, and in solidarity, he sat that out. And ESPN went, hey, we just gave you a big-ass contract. Why don't you come up here and host the ESPYs? You're, you're quick on your feet. Uh, for a reality guy, I'm going to be okay. Um, and we've already seen that the networks are going to rely on the content subscription-based uh, putting that out. Because I think like ABC or somebody is putting out something from Disney that hasn't been on network television before. Uh, oh, I got one for you. They're re-releasing uh, the Disney Plus streaming series, Miss Marvel, uh, yes, that's on it. Network Television. In August, yes, yes. And that's what's going to happen. These networks that are affiliated with streaming services that have things going back that, that people publicly for free haven't seen, that's what they're going to do. And we've talked about the backlog, guys. We've talked about it. We've said it personally. It doesn't affect us so much. There's so many things that we don't have time to watch that we'll just catch up on that. And that's what the network's going to do. And that's how they're going to bleed them dry. And and it's unfortunate because there should be some happy medium here. Everybody should get taken care of because there's a lot of money being collected. Um, and, 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 you know, without the creativity moving forward, a- AI, your AI belief is not a sustainable future. But they're, they're buying it. Like right now, they're very excited. And, and we have this, it's such a complicated relationship with AI because um, I'll use this as an example. Um, everybody knows the website BuzzFeed, right? Like we've heard of BuzzFeed. Um, it has an app. It's popular. Listicles galore. So BuzzFeed will have uh, this, like it has this fascinating dichotomy where it's like covering the actors and writer strike and is like down with AI. And then somebody else will have a listicle that's like, I used AI to do this and we'll fucking publish it. So like, what are we doing here? Our own violent gentleman, Aesop Mitchell, loves this like site where you input something and an AI puts up fucked up pictures of whatever's put in. So like we even uh, like we have a fascination with it because it's it's the new toy, right? Like it's the new toy that everybody wants to play with and see what can do. Uh, But it's also it's like anything else. How a, a company and here in entertainment, how can we up our bottom line? by using this and it's going to hurt real people and that's crazy and i I agree with you tony i don't think it's it i i I think it ain't it think ai ain't it dave your thoughts you referring to AI? remember remember when we thought remember when we thought bob jacob was the was the bond villain by the way yeah remember Uh, that you You referring to ai (laughs) as as a toy is kind of a dangerous proposition but i think you're right right people do kind of look at it oh this is kind of fun and I'm not saying that Terminator and the Matrix is true or could be true, but I th- still think there's lessons to be learned from that, that you don't 
fuck with something that's exponentially gaining intelligence, the more information you feed it, the quicker it's going to get to that point. So I think, you know, using it as a, a, a toy like you described is, is very telling that there is that that mentality. I mean, as far as the strike is concerned, I think the best chance we had for Tunney's scenario to come to fruition was when it was just the writers versus the studios because the studios could leverage them out and could stiff arm them out. And sooner or later, the writers were going to have to cut a deal that maybe they didn't like, but they could live with. Now you've got the actors who have much more leverage than the writers union did much more money that they can fall back. Cause you are looking at a long game right now. Tunney's talking about the backlog and as long as these studios are still making money, they've got no motivation to give in and do what the writers want, what the actors want. The actors have got, you know, plenty of money that they can fall back on that both sides are going to say, I'm not doing shit till you pay me more. And the studio's like, we're not going to pay you more because we're making money. The writers are the one getting just their nuts cut off here because they're going to be caught in the middle of these two behemoths who have money and leverage and time that they can just sit back and say, fuck you, no, fuck you more. And I think that that's well, where we're going to be in for a very long standoff on this thing. And this is where, you know, Tony always loves to talk about, you know, billionaires fighting with millionaires and stuff like that. And, and to, to an extent, I agree. But then here, I'm going to read this quote from new Bob, uh, new Bondville and Bob Iger, uh, because I think this is just it's fascinating to me when. He says this, it's very disturbing to me. We've talked about disruptive forces on this business and all the challenges we're facing. The recovery from COVID, which is ongoing, it's not completely bad. This is the worst time in the world to add to that destruction. I understand any labor organization's desire to work on behalf of its members to get the most compensation and be compensated fairly based on the value that they deliver. We manage it as an industry to negotiate a very good deal with the Directors Guild that reflects the value that the directors contribute to this great business. We wanted to do the same thing with the writers, and we'd like to do the same with the, the actors. There's a level of expectation that they have that is just not realistic, and they're adding to the set of challenges that this business is already facing that is, quite frankly, very disruptive. Boo fucking hey. Pat, let me ask you something. Oh, sorry. In quote, in quote, because we are crying poor. Let me ask you something. Where did we hear Disney do this exact same sort of spin pretty recently? Um, Are you talking about with Parks? No, I'm talking about with Squeeze. Remember Scarlett Johansson lawsuit? Remember? She was insensitive to the COVID pandemic. She was, and now they're injecting COVID. We're still recovering from COVID and all this. That doesn't give you the right to underpay people. Because the industry was impacted right. by this pandemic that, yeah, we're recovering, but things are, you know, more or less back to normal, air quoting normal. So, yeah, as soon as I read that and injecting COVID in this, I'm like, fuck you. That's just a, right. it's like an easy way out. And, th- and this is a, Here's the thing is Bob Iger, as a representative of Disney, who's working with, you know, ABC, you know, and he talked about like gutting everything, by the way, in that interview. Like he talked about network television, like cutting getting rid of shit like FX and ABC, like ABC, like, like he is like, like working on some bottom line shit to, to, you know, own some, cause you gotta remember, you know, you own ABC, you own Fox, like, what do you wrap into what, who knows? But at the end of the day, like, it's just laughable for a CEO who won, got his contract extended after he swore he was done after a couple years, I'm out. 
oh no, I just can't leave. We got to extend it another four years. I got to keep working because we're not there yet. To then turn around and cry poor, like you're crying poor. Uh, you know, you uh, you are privy to and own the most valuable entertainment properties on the fucking planet. What are you doing here as you lay people off left and right, whether it's within your Disney parks, whether it's in like we've we've talked about it on this show. The wholesale layoffs that have happened at ESPN, ABC, at Fox, at Disney, everywhere. People are losing their jobs left and right. And you're upset that these people want to get paid fairly because you're it's fucking with your, your release schedule. Because that's what it's doing is it's making and you know what? That's where it has to hurt. Because as Tony pointed out, like the entertainment you already know that you can put out for advertisement revenues, and that still that's it's about who can hold on the longest with the diminishing returns. And I and I hope for the actors and writers sake that it that it can that it uh, can here's, go. Here's a question though. Do do the writers break ranks first? Because I think they're gonna it's going to pick no, them think quicker I, than the actors. Here's the thing is the writers have already been on strike for a significant amount of time and there's no signs of them letting up. I don't think they were pissed when the Directors Guild made a deal and really felt like the Directors Guild just like they sided with the studio. And, and that's where we are right now is it's taking sides and rightfully or wrongfully, that's that's where we are. So, you know, it's just I, I again, I don't think they're going to break. I think if they were going to break, they would have broken. They would have already broken. I think they I think they're right now, at least it looks like they're standing strong. And, I, you know, the feds, you know, you know the actors said that the Fed, they were ready for a federal arbiter to come in and to help with negotiations. Right. I mean, like it's going to take the federal government to have yeah, to step in to help. They're going to need a mediator. There needs to be serious, serious arbitration needs to happen. Here. They, they got to get a meteor mediator in there because sooner or later, somebody's going to file a right. lawsuit. And then this ends up in federal court and then it gets messy or. Right. Absolutely. So all that is to say, this is, yeah, I'm sorry, folks, if you're sad about all these delays with whatever upcoming this or that or the other. Um, it's interesting that Game of Thrones is able to continue to um, film because of the British Actors Guild not being able to um, cross, you know, to strike in solidarity and where they're where they're filming the series. So I guess if you love House of the Dragon... That's a win. Um, the UK is going to become. I don't think they really. The UK is going to become the Delaware. Uh, you know, everybody incorporates in Delaware. I, the UK is going to become in, the Delaware of acting here. I'm in Delaware. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, this is gross. Uh, it's gonna. It's it's impacting a lot of stuff. We're not going to feel it as a, as a consumer necessarily at the box office right away because what's already been made is is still coming. Like like it's just it's still coming. Where you're going to see it, though, is like we see today. Haunted Mansion, seeing a big Disneyland premiere, none of the actors in the film are coming. And so they had to change it. My wife is like, she's in the next room and she's listening to this. She just sent me something from uh, Justin Bateman. This is kind of fun. The AMPTP not only wanted to own background actors, specific likenesses forever, but wanted to feed 100 years of acting performances for a nominal fee to train the GAI models so all our work could be Frankensteined into new AI characters and no consent from any of the actors. That's Justin yeah, Bateman. It's, it's fucked up. 
and, and that's why I have no empathy for for the studios right now. I, right now, I, I have seen nothing on the the other side of the coin that tells me that I should be anything but empathetic Justine, to the Justine actors. Justine Bateman. And, and Justine, Justine Bateman. Yeah, I was I was gonna let that go. I thought maybe Justine had a twin, and it got weird, and maybe Justin and Justine, but Jason Bateman. And yes, um, but yeah, at the end of the day, like fuck the studio. That's that's where I am right now. So all right. Let's let's talk about something a little fun. We do have some um, some exciting films hitting theaters this coming weekend, uh, and you know, at, at the suggestion of one PC Tony, he thought it might be a good idea. So we give him credit where credit's due to maybe talk about some excuse me some of these things that are coming out that maybe we're excited to see. Um, but this coming weekend in particular, there's been a trend as there are two films premiering on the same day as Oppenheimer and Barbie. Are hitting theaters this coming weekend, and a lot of people are going to both and doing a double feature that's like Barbenheimer or something or Oppen Barbie. I don't remember how they're putting it. Barbenheimer. Uh, Barbenheimer is, is like this thing where people are buying tickets to both premieres, making it a double feature. There's been mashup posters of like Oppenheimer, like with Barbie on his shoulder. I will say, the more and more I learn about this Barbie film more and more interested I am in it. I joked about it uh, with the group because they released this Ken song sung by uh, my, uh, I'm going to forget his name. What's his name? Gosling. Gosling. Ryan Gosling. Ryan Gosling singing about like the problems with being Ken and it's adorable and it cracked me up and I was like, I, I think I said, shit, I'm going to end up seeing this now, aren't I? And you guys all kind of laughed. But a lot of people, like I know some of our own bandwagoner um, hosts are going to see both. So, um, that's what I'm excited about for this coming week slash weekend. Gentlemen, what about you? What are we, what are we looking forward to over there on your end before we get into what you're watching? Yeah, I think, um, <laughs> Barbenheimer? I, Barbenheimer seems like this, like two things that shouldn't go together at all, at all seem to like now your people are like, there's a lot of momentum behind this whole double feature thing. And I mean, I mentioned, you know, the Oppenheimer IMAX reel earlier, 11 miles worth of film. That's ridiculous. Um, I'm not going to see it in IMAX because we've only got one theater, IMAX theater in town and it's trash. But still, that sounds like, I mean, it sounds like a fun time. I, I mean, I say fun relatively. The first part of it will be fun. Second part is going to be very serious. But uh, yeah, as far as two with with all the shit we just talked about and now you're like, OK, what remnants of entertainment are still out there? This is this as big as it gets. So yeah, I'm, I'm giving more thought to that. That's for sure. Barbenheimer AMC had reported more sales for a dual feature than its history. Uh, it was like already 20 plus across the country, like a week and a half ago, as we approach this week, this next weekend for me, I'm out of town. So on a golf trip, if it rains, I'm going to the theater and going to go watch Barbie or Oppenheimer. I think they're both going to be, oscar nominated films i think they're going to get multiple nominations and i can't wait to see john cena as a mermaid excellent excellent all right guys i think i'll at least be there for barbie as well last thing i want to say is and and i I forgot because this is the most important thing i wanted to say was uh robert downey jr said oppenheimer is the best movie he's he's ever been in wow so yeah, I've heard nothing but good things, which, you know, you should expect out of a Christopher Nolan made film anyway. All right, gentlemen, time for a segment that we've really been running with the last few weeks. Um, 
Tony, we know you're watching Stars on Mars. So other than Stars on Mars, what you watching? I, well, Stars on Mars. We got four new recruits. Other than, other than Stars on Mars. We got new, we got new people. Uh, not much. I, I had a busy week, so I'm sorry. Um, I've been watching the trailers that you sent me, and uh, nothing new from the last week besides Stars on Mars. But we did get uh, MasterChef back this week, so check that out right there on Fox. Very nice. Dave, how about you? What you been doing? Uh, watching Game of Thrones, trying to get through the series. That's uh, that's. You never finished Game of Thrones? No, I'm only in season 20, 20 years later, Dave's going to announce on this show. He's so you have watched House He's of like, the Dragon I either, No, I have watched House of the Dragon. I, w- I loved House of the oh. Dragon. Because okay. yeah, there's really, it's not that tied into the, like you used to say, it's really not other than there's more dragons. That's really, the, and some of the houses are kind of named the same. But that, and uh, I was going to text you the other night, Pat, I started like Superman 3 came on on my Max feed and I started watching it and I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, you know, this, 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 it's, it's, it's bad, but there's so good bad. elements. It's not quest for peace though, bad. it's not that bad, but oh yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, it's just, you know, Richard Pryor, it's like something just, it's gotta be Richard Pryor in this movie. And, and it just, it's bad, but it's like, it's fun in a bad kind of way, if that makes any sense. So yeah, that that's kind of what I was thinking of. Certainly does make some sense. Uh, I will take every opportunity to push you all checking out the series warrior on hbo max slash max they uh, dropped the first four episodes on a like on a full-on episode dump uh when they when the series season three premiered and i say this all the time like if you love bruce lee watch this series it is a complete love letter and it's great because there's so many characters that are portraying sort of different eras of Bruce Lee in, in, in his film careers. And the two sort of primary guys in the film, uh, the, whether it's the, the lead uh, or the top lieutenant uh, in this rival gang, they both are character, their characteri- character, characterizations, characterizations, that's what I'm trying to say, of Bruce Lee. Like, I have so much caffeine. And, and they, they're so great because they're, they're complete equals. They're just they're, they're complete equals in everything they do, and it's it's awesome. I love it. I'm a fanboy. It is by no means you know ever going to win an Emmy. It's by no means a complicated film or a complex film by any stretch of the imagination. But I love it. I love watching it. Uh, the action pieces alone are worth the time and effort to watch. So I'm gonna keep pushing that train. Uh, the other thing uh, that you know you talk about movies that I can't not watch. Uh, draft day is currently in the rotation of HBO and it's a shit movie in terms of like what the NFL is like and it's beautiful NFL propaganda. And yet I can't help but be like Vontae Mack no matter what and and enjoy that movie every time it's on. Is that a Kevin Costner? It is. Kevin Costner in sports, baby. Yeah. How much money did he have to give his ex now? And then she wouldn't get out of the house. And that's a more interesting I don't even care about that story. I I care about watching a... I, I care more about a, romantic, a romanticized view of the first day of the NFL draft because it is. It's it's fucking ridiculous, but it's fun to watch. Um, and yeah. All right, everyone. That's going to do it for this week's edition of Bandwagon Nerds. Before we get out of here, let's do a quick once around and tell everybody where they can find you on the socials and on the Chairshot Radio Network. This week, we will start with the lawyer, David Ungar. 
Well, you can find me on Twitter at Attitude Ag. That is at Attitude A-G-G. Facebook.com slash Attitude of Aggression. And as always, if you are offended by anything we've said today, send your hate tweets to at It's Me DPP. Why, Tony? Because uh, fuck that guy. PC Tony, your turn, sir. I, I also observing stars at the uh, American Family uh, Celebrity Shootout here at Lake Tahoe. If you want to check that out on NBC, it's excellent. We got all the uh, Steph Curry. Steph is got a hole in one today. He got a hole in one as well. Yes. So uh, all, all the major stars are out there. Aaron Rodgers, etc. Getting the Jets, getting HBO Hard Knocks, which is going to be really fun as well. So, um, yeah, PC Tony, social media, Chair Shot Media uh, on the Twitter and uh, Chair Shot Radio Network. Of course, Bandwagon Nerds every Monday morning. That's right. Bandwagon Nerds every morning. You can follow me on the Twitter at Wrestling Realist. That is at W-R-E-S-T-L-N-G-R-E-A-L-I-S-T. I am also now on threads under the same username as well, at Wrestling Realist, W-R-E-S-T-L-N-G-R-E-A-L-I-S-T. Uh, follow the show on Twitter as well, at Bandwagon Nerds. And I am generally on the Chair Shot Radio Network every Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Uh, Mondays doing... EWN with these jokers Tuesday. I'm usually hanging out with David Ungar though this week. Once again, we just keep kicking that can down the road on our Tuesday show day. Our lives have been busy. You've got to, um, you know, you're George of the jungle out in your backyard today. That's right. And I gotta, I gotta mow the lawn before the next rainstorm comes through new England, which is like five minutes away. And uh, then you can catch me on Wednesday talking Greg or uh, talking wrestling with Greg DeMarco, which a lot of times turns into talking Greg. So it's kind of, it's his show, as he'll let you know. Uh, but that's going to do it for this week's edition of Bandwagon Nerds. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Now get yourself out of the basement, get some sun, and remember, everyone, fuck the studios, support the writers, support the actors. They need to get paid. They deserve to get paid, and we're going to support them. You've been listening to Bandwagon Nerds here on the ChairShot Radio Network, part of the ChairShot.com. Tell me the story about how you chose her. Dr. Priscilla Davis had a congenital heart defect. She was keeping it a secret, looking for someone who would slip your defenses. Ah, so you playing the long game on me even then. You asked if you could assume her life. She made me make her three promises. One, 
that I would bury her at sea, which I did. Two, that I would continue to be a daughter to her parents. Which you've also done. Three. That I would never hurt you. Did you get what you wanted from this life? Even so? I did. To call myself beloved. To feel myself, myself beloved, beloved on the love. earth. I'm not sure if this means we should get divorced or we should renew our vows. <laughs> Would you have loved me if I'd never changed? If I'd been my true self? Guess we'll never know. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.